0: Hello, and welcome to episode 130 of Flix in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth, the fourth Cornetto, Alessandro Boylesi. Say hello, Al.
1: Faramir is the Meg of the Lord of the Rings universe.
0: <laughs> also joining us, returning guest and friend of the show, the Artful Fox, Caleb
2: Cromer. Say hello, Caleb. I'm going to tear up the fucking dance floor, dude. Yes! <laughs> Uh, this on this week's episode, we, we have some
0: news on Mad Max, Tenet, Edgar Wright, other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, the long-awaited Ex Machina. But first, Al, what are you drinking?
1: But first, before what we're drinking, spoiler alert for our favorite moment of this movie, if anyone's answer is anything other than I'm going to tear up the fucking dance floor for best moment in the movie, <laughs> you're just incorrect. You're flatly incorrect and you'll be disinvited from the rest of the show.
2: <laughs> change his favorite moment of the movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry for that a bit of editorializing. Um, no, that's a
2: good that's a good moment. It's fair.
1: <laughs> so we're drinking an ales. Well, two of us are drinking Alzales. Caleb broke quarantine to help us raise the roof. <laughs> <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> to raise a roof over the pavilion we're building in my house. But even before that, I stood awkwardly 10 feet outside of his apartment door <laughs> to deliver him beer to, to boost his spirits during this time of quarantine. <laughs> my pasty he was, spirits. Uh, he was on the way. Uh, literally, I was literally driving down. I won't say the name of your road, but that, that main road that's right near you. That's right near that other main road. That's even bigger. I, Thanks. my, my path during work literally was going to take me down that whether I wanted to or not, which I knew. So I was like, you know what? It's time to make a delivery. I can go off the rails here for, you know, three quarters of a mile to, to come see Caleb during the day. <laughs> I didn't get a break that day. I worked like 13 hours that day, so I was going to do whatever the fuck I wanted. Um, and so I delivered him two different Al's ales. He got the brown ale, which me and Anthony did a few weeks ago. Mm, and he got delightful. the new Belgian golden strong ale, which me and him will drink this week for the episode. I obviously still have a bunch of earmarked for Anthony whenever we get to see each other again.
0: So excited. Um, I love me and Caleb, Al's ale.
1: Caleb's drinking it without us like formally saying we're going to drink it, which is wow.
0: Weird. What a monster. <laughs> what What is that?
1: So a little bit about this beer. First things first. Uh, it didn't come out quite right mm-hmm. now. It's not a big deal. It's still pretty tasty <laughs> in my opinion. Um, I tried it for the first time this past weekend when other friends of ours broke quarantine to help us go Amish on you motherfuckers with this fucking roof. Caleb um, didn't get one that time because I knew he was going to have it this week for the, the show. So I gave him one of the brown ales, which he also has hiding around somewhere in his house. So the Belgian Golden Strong Ale should have been around 9.5% alcohol by volume. It only checks in about 85 The reason for that is there is some unfermented sugar in the beer still. It is a little bit too sweet. This style of beer is supposed to be a little bit sweet. Uh, lesson learned. My first fear when I was doing this was I might have to buy two packages of yeast. And I was like, you know what? Let's just get past that with a yeast starter. We'll have really active yeast. It'll do a great job. I transferred it for secondary fermentation, which boosts the viability of that yeast. When I checked it, I was like, oh, wow. It went a little bit past halfway where it's supposed to go. Actually, even more than that. It was about three quarters. And it barely fermented any more than that in the week after that. So, lesson learned. Two yeasts next time for this beer.
0: All I heard was, I'm a failure. That's that's what I... Is that, uh, is that, I mean, that accurate? Is,
1: <laughs> that is a much more concise way to say is that. Is that the summary? Yeah, now you, right. uh, you So I'll to- get
0: it when you make it right. Is that
2: what you're telling me?
1: Oof, if you can wake up fire. So Caleb, since you already tasted it and we didn't even cheers, what did you think of the beer?
2: I like it. I think I do I taste a little of that extra sweetness that you're mentioning. It's especially
1: noticeable on the first sip or two, because it actually starts to go away after that. But it's like it is just way the too 8.5%. Sweet. Yeah, well maybe that could be a two, but uh, <laughs> hey, it is still one, either really either strong. One. I mean, I'm
2: drinking it and and it's good.
1: No, it's it is definitely good. It's just not correct.
2: Hmm. Hey, I'm all about it. So, what what, what are you giving
0: it? Give us a rating. Oh, yeah, rating on,
1: is... on a scale of negative two thumbs to two thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 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 that always reminds me uh, of that. Do uh, you remember that? Uh, and you would probably remember this more because I know you were a big uh, SNL fan. The was it a Lonely Island song, where and that's when you break. Where they talked about like what point in the joke like it's okay to break on camera during SNL. Uh, That doesn't sound
0: familiar to me, but it sounds like something that they would do. They were making fun of Jimmy
1: Fallon and uh, okay. Was it Horatio Sands? Did the two of them do a lot of skits
0: together? Uh, I I don't know if they did a lot together, but Jimmy Fallon is the king of breaking.
1: That they were making fun of him breaking in so many scenes when he was on SNL. (laughs) (laughs) Negative (laughs) two thumbs is where Caleb broke.
0: (laughs) So uh, out of ten. No, no, or no! It's it's two it's two thumbs down to two thumbs up. I don't so know. It's gonna be one it. down. Okay, I'm gonna give it. I'm down. gonna
2: give it. Uh, i thumbs up. Okay. Single
0: thumb up. Nice. I, okay. I would
1: agree. Uh, just because I know what it should be.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm excited to try it. It is still
1: tasty. It. it it looks very pretty. It's as clear as one of my beers is gonna get. It's pretty pale. It's got tremendous carbonation. It's got good head retention. Um, it smells nice.
0: I. Obviously, I'm not drinking that, so to let you clue you in on what I've got over here, uh, buckle up. This is a long one.
1: That's what it's called. Three is brewing. Oh, okay.
0: Logical conclusion. That's all the information I have. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing else on the label except for a thumbs up. And a thumbs down, I like that. which is Minimal. so fitting for our show. <laughs> so
1: zero thumbs.
0: Zero thumbs, it's, it's exactly. Plus it one thumb that. and minus one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I would personally give it the single thumb up, but it's a, and it's very good, very tasty. No stories, though, for me why, to share with why you. Why didn't
1: they just go with the Commodus sideways?
0: <laughs> <laughs> just sideways. That's what it should have been. That's what it should have been. That no, was very good, though. Uh, final, but uh, we, sorry, what it, were you saying? It kept, us, it kept us going. We'll at least have another week. Because we didn't dip into the reserves.
1: Also, Anthony doesn't know what shop means, apparently. Yes, <laughs> he is, he is also. Then that's where you break.
0: <laughs> I am job. <laughs> I am job.
1: <laughs> was I supposed yeah. to read that as I am job or I am Job? <laughs> I am Job. <laughs> um, also, final note on my beer. I am drinking the Al's Ale out of my Al's Ale's mug. That was Which is, yeah, so sister.
0: fitting. So fitting. It's a great, it's a great mug. It's, it's a great is. mug. It's got a giant badge on it.
1: It's hefty. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it actually up close, Caleb. I don't know if you can see it with the light, but it's got etched, it, engraved. Aldos. It's a great
0: mug for a great mug. You, you can only <laughs> you can only see the two A's when you hold it to the camera because the light is so shiny, <laughs> so uh, shiny. It's funny because
1: it's just that one tiny little LED light on the on the <laughs> camera next to the
0: camera. <laughs> awesome. Shall we get into some news and nuggets? Yes, let us. Uh. Al, I'm going to let you, I have a, I, I would assume that one of mine is one of yours, so I'm going to let you go first.
1: Okay. Do you want the good news or the bad news?
0: Oh, okay. So I'm thinking two of mine or two of yours. <laughs> yes, probably. So, so let's go with the bad news first and get okay, this out of the so, way.
1: Yeah, let's get it out of the way. Caleb, I don't know if you saw it or not. I don't know if you, we discussed it. I know Anthony's on the same page as me. Um, I didn't read this story, but this was the official news break. If I can get my browser to not freeze and actually scroll up and down the fucking story. This is on the Rolling Stone, uh, which I can't read now the headline because the banner is covering it. I fucking hate the internet right now. <laughs> Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League to premiere on HBO Max in 2021. Subtitled, after years of grassroots lobbying, Warner Bros. announces plan to hashtag release the Snyder cut of the DC blockbuster. <sighs> so- Everyone get your sighs and gags out now. Just this isn't this shouldn't happen. Oh, of course it shouldn't. This this is the worst. Actually for, for all the pandering that that Disney and Star Wars did for the rise of Skywalker, this is infinitely worse. I want
0: it to actually, I take it back. I want it to come out, but I want it to be so much worse than the one that was released as. Kell? Like all
2: bad mustache. It, does it come <laughs> you mean- with yeah. <laughs> Okay. Does it come packaged with the butthole cut from (laughs) Kat? Oh, my
3: God. (laughs) Way
0: to
1: throw it back. You know what? I appreciate you. (laughs) I'm trying to find this tweet because it was spectacular, and I lost it, and I'm so fucking mad at myself right now. You said
2: 2021 release, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. On HBO Max. HBO
0: Max. Okay. Which now it just makes a lot more sense about what HBO Max really is, right? It's a trial run. And if they need to ditch it, they can ditch it because they still have now and go.
2: (laughs) What's with the 2021 release? Do they not realize what we're going through right now? This is the time to release that cut.
1: Zack Snyder has to piece together the cut that he has of the literal clippings on the editing room floor by hand. Mm.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) He has to put together the cut that doesn't actually exist is what I'm hearing.
1: Correct. Uh, He has to do reshoots of the reshoots.
2: Uh, uh, will, will there be cgi mustaches involved
1: yes that's why i did the everyone has a CGI face he just kept, <laughs> if
0: you could just if you could do that again now can you no do that you're not time? screen grabbing it No, I'm i want to grab it we'll put that on the episode Gal-Gado, <laughs> Gal-Gado i think it's something about you also mustache. not having a shirt on and making that face that is just tremendous <laughs> uh,
1: before i read this actually before i read this horrible story which maybe at least will give us some catharsis let me read you a quick thread of tweets. This was from H Bomber Guy on Twitter. Zack Snyder handpicked Joss Whedon to finish his film and then openly talked about wanting to adapt The Fountainhead, a film in which a man destroys his own creation rather than see his vision compromised. Just a little food for thought.
0: <laughs> Amazing.
1: The Fountainhead is one half really interesting story about the horror of trying to make something beautiful and true to your ideas in a world of inevitable compromises and another half propaganda that unions are evil and progressivism is slavery. It's a quote-unquote land of contrasts.
0: I, I just think it's funny that, uh, I think it was maybe two or three weeks ago, we were, we, this, this had surfaced again, right? Like it was like the chance that this might actually be happening. Like we've gone from this is never going to happen to that week of, is this actually going to happen? To now it's coming out, but we're just on the other side of, we don't really want it. <laughs> There's a lot of people that seem to want it. But on this show, that's a big no. That's a the pass. way I
1: referred to it to someone the other day was, well, sure, it was a shitty movie. And this will be a shitty movie, too. It's just it's, it's our shitty right. movie now. Like <laughs> the people <are> complaining <laughs> about who wanted it. It's theirs. So they get to take ownership of the shittiness.
2: What would you do if it's the best fucking movie you've ever seen in your life? There's literally uh-
1: no way. I'd be okay with it. <laughs> Th- there's uh, no way for it to happen. Al's head just explode. <laughs> there's no way for it to happen because what the most wrong in that movie is built on the flawed things that came from the movie prior to it. Mm. You can't build a strong house on a cracked foundation. Check. And Batman vs. Superman is so completely flawed that you cannot build a proper Justice League movie. The
0: only thing I will say about that though, and we talked about this a little bit in the past but the Batman v Superman extended cut is actually way better and a cohesive movie. It's not good.
1: So the Snyder, <laughs> <But> cut, is, <laughs> the Snyder cut of Justice League is going to be a fitting sequel to the Snyder cut of Batman v Superman? That's what it
0: seems like. Yeah, that's what it seems like. But A solid again, four instead of a two.
1: Is what <laughs> circling back to all of the terrible things that they can't fix, even though they keep mm-hmm. trying to fix it and they're just making it worse with Rise of Skywalker. If all of your definitive stuff is extraneous to the text, is outside of the text itself, right? then the text is so inherently flawed as to be impossible to have any value. Right.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. This is a disaster. I, I am, uh, I'm looking forward to the fun that we'll have when we do it. No, well, I obviously we're going to watch do it.
2: this movie. Oh this no, is,
0: we're doing it. This I'll is the not do,
2: most... do it, I'll do it. I'll okay. Do
0: it.
1: <laughs> this I'll do the episode. I'm not watching the movie. I You to give the click to give the dollar to anything about this movie. It is I'll
0: pirate it for you.
1: <laughs> it is the most <laughs> cynically made movie this side of the Christmas special for. Star Wars.
0: I just hope it's like 2 hours of people whining, which is what caused this to happen. <laughs>
1: So Two hours of whining to to sate the three years of whining by the people who wanted this movie? Yeah. Like, that's what we're doing here?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's, I, you know what, though? I do hope it's good. It would be awesome if it was a really good
1: movie. Listen, I want to flush this out of my system until 2021, so let's just get through this sure. article real quick. After two years Go of clamoring it. and grassroots lobbying by fans of the DC Extended Universe, the Zack Snyder's never-before-seen director's cut of Justice League will premiere on HBO Max in 2021. The filmmaker announced Wednesday... I want to thank HBO Max and Warner Brothers for this brave gesture. Oh, my God. I'm not even going to get to the fucking article, let alone the movie. <laughs> for this brave gesture of... Brave gesture, are you fucking kidding me? Of supporting <laughs> artists and, and allowing their true visions to be realized.
2: We, we might lose Al before we get to the actual movie yeah. review.
1: Also, a special thanks to all of you involved in the Snyder Cut movement for making this a reality. I mean, if like how many times are we going to go through the... Someone does a thing. People bitch about it online for four fucking years. Oh, Uh let's make them feel better. Fuck you. All of you. Fans of the DCEU. uh, I
0: mean, they did fix Sonic's teeth. (laughs)
1: It's (laughs) the exception that proves the rule. (laughs) Fans (laughs) of the DCEU, which includes the films (laughs) Man of Steel, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Batman vs. Superman. You know, it's funny they didn't mention fucking uh, Suicide Squad in here and more, have demanded the release of the Snyder Cut since the blockbuster's less-than-acclaimed arrival in 2018. Snyder left the production for its completion following the death of his daughter, with Joss Whedon replacing Snyder and changing many aspects from, and severely shortening the runtime of his predecessor's original vision. Whedon's finished version was ultimately critically maligned and a box office disappointment. However, in the past year, social media campaigns for Warner Brothers to hashtag release the Snyder Cut have amplified after getting support from Justice League stars Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, and... Henry. gal, <laughs> with the studio finally capitulating to fans' demands, capitulating is absolutely the right world It'd be an entirely new thing, and especially talking to those who have seen the release movie, a new experience apart from that movie. Snyder told the Hollywood Reporter on Wednesday, adding that he has not watched the Whedon finished product, but estimated, "quote You probably saw one fourth of what I did. I don't see how that's possible."
0: Uh, yeah, that's the, that's actually what I was going to ask next. Is there's actually been uh, folks that were in the movie that claimed to have seen the Snyder cut? Sottercut like doesn't people. exist. I know that's what that's what I'm getting at. So like all of those people then are officially liars if it's not done.
1: <laughs> of course it is. Now do I believe they saw some rough footage without any CGI or a post-production? Yeah, maybe. You saw the literal raw footage from some of those. Things. I
0: okay. feel like it's more likely that it was explained over a few beers. Like the differences, I
1: think they saw what you saw from Sausage Party with just fucking storyboards. <laughs> yes, on them. Yeah. <laughs> Tell Caleb about that experience. I don't know if he's heard that story.
0: If you have, so uh, I think it was like a, maybe a year and a half before Sausage Party came out, we got one of those uh, advanced screenings for it, and it was a focus group type thing, and there was a, a few of us went, and it, the movie is completely unfinished. It was actually like the basically storyboards on a projector is what it looked like and it was and the actual voice acting was over it but it was just flats for most of the movie and then you know at the end there was like some weird like semi-animated portions of it but it was it ended up being tremendous that way i actually think it was better that way before the movie than when the, the actual yeah. result but it was fun it was also just the, the experience was really cool but yeah that is it's cool. uh but well, yes then i then I then can imagine that this is the same the way
1: with seth rogan so
0: yeah, you you're going down the escalator, and you're <laughs> behind you, and you're like, no way. Right. Well, that was worth the whole thing, then. Oh man, but um, I do want to circle back for one second to Sonic because I realize what the way to fix that is: you just make you, you put Ben Schwartz in it with dyed blue hair and the sweatband, rather than <laughs> reach, rather than changing the CG, just actually reshoot it. With him as a person in the movie. Go the,
2: you gotta go the method route.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can it just be John Raphael's actual hair, but dyed? Ah, uh, uh, yes, like, yes. Like, dyed 10%? Yes. where it's exactly. like streaks and like most of it's still kind of black and it's just tinged blue.
0: Perfect. Perfect. That movie would be
1: perfect. <laughs> 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 All right. So give us, the, give us the good news then. Okay. Good news. Exclusive. This is on Slash Film. Goddamn banner ads. Holy shit. Timothy Oliphant will wear Boba Fett's iconic armor in The Mandalorian Season 2. Ooh. Don't choke on your beer.
0: That's cool. I did not... That's not where I thought you were
3: going with this. <laughs> I
1: know, right? Last week, it was revealed that Justified and Deadwood star Timothy Oliphant has been cast in The Mandalorian Season 2 in an unknown role. Oliphant's casting is a story we have been chasing and trying to confirm for months now. And while we didn't get to break the news, we do have some juicy information to add regarding Oliphant's Mandalorian Season 2 role, which... Established Star Wars universe character is Timothy Oliphant playing in the upcoming season. And why is he wearing Boba Fett's iconic armor? Here are the details. Uh, Who is Cobb Vanth? Our sources have confirmed to us that Oliphant filmed scenes wearing Boba Fett's Mandalorian armor for the upcoming season of The Mandalorian. That might sound confusing because earlier this month, it was reported that Tamera Morrison, who originated the role of Jango Fett, boba's clone father has been cast as boba fett so what's going on here now this is my per- personal little parenthetical i've seen that reported a bunch i have seen zero confirmation that he's actually going to be same we in, the- in the show same. which i think is odd so i think there might be something to this scoop that um oliphant might be donning the boba fett armor because until they confirm boba fett's in it Mm-hmm. The only way I see them doing it is, uh, is, and it might some might call it a cop out, but I really don't want them to bring back to Boba Fett. Now, if they bring back Tamara Morrison to play him in a flashback, totally okay with that. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
1: if Morrison is playing the role of Boba Fett, then Timothy Oliphant is playing an enigmatic character named Cobb Vanth, introduced in Chuck Wendig's Aftermath book series. Vanth is the self appointed sheriff of the Tatooine based settlement Freetown. He wears a mysterious set of Mandalorian armor that was acquired from Jawas who scavenged the wreckage of Jawas mm-hmm. on shortly after the <laughs> events of Return of the Jedi. As you may recall, that was the site of the battle where Boba Fett was thrown into the Starlight pet in the Tatooine's Dune Sea. It's assumed that the Mandalorian armor purchased by Vance is none other than the infamous green armor formerly worn by one of the galaxy's most notorious bounty hunters, Boba Fett. Very little has been revealed about Vance's backstory, only that he was once a slave, as evidenced by a star-shaped scar carved into his back, signifying ownership. Mm-hmm. Fall of Gangster Job of the Hutt, a power vacuum has consumed Tatooine, drawing all sorts of crime syndicates to take over the unruled landscape. Cobb has committed his life in the service of protecting Freetown and keeping criminal elements like the Red Key Raiders away from Tatooine. He even struck a deal with the Tusken Raiders to help protect the township. It should be noted that all of the above character details were revealed during the Aftermath book series. We don't know what, he, what, what part he plays in the upcoming season of The Mandalorian, but I think the books offer a rad setup for the character. The Aftermath series gave the impression that while Boba Fett may be dead, the iconic armor would live on for another generation. But if Fett himself is alive and present in The Mandalorian Season 2, this complicates things. Mm, and then indeed. It, goes, it goes on further to reference how in the Gunslinger episode, in which uh, Jin- Din Djarin actually shows up on Tatooine, at the very end, a mysterious figure was teased and uh, that he was sporting the Bounty Hunter's trademark spurs.
0: Right. Which is, I thought about that uh, when all of this news started coming out, um, I I was flashing back to watching the show, and I forgot that there were like little bits that were just teased there and left in this first season.
1: Well, you know, I kind of sidelined that thought because I wondered, I didn't really pay too close attention to whether or not um, we saw the Spurs again, but I kind of assumed that that was Miles Gideon Mm -hmm. because we ultimately are revealed that he's followed him, that he knows him, that there is Uh, a connection point. Now it wouldn't be terribly surprising if it was a separate character. And if we're going to get a character whose background entails him being on Tatooine and that took place on Tatooine, Mm -hmm. totally understand if that would be the case. But in my mind, I've just kind of softly assumed that that was Moff Gideon considering we know he's trying to track him down.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh man. I'm so excited for the next season of that show. That was just the weekly dose of awesome that I needed when it was coming out, and I'm ready for another eight of those. Eight? Ten? How many
1: was it? I wanna say eight.
0: Eight? I think it was eight.
1: Caleb, you watched all of the Mandalorian, but after it was actually running, right? I watched it live. Oh, I don't know why I thought you were like a few weeks behind it. I thought I don't know
0: why I thought you were a monster. <laughs> no, thought- no, no, no. <laughs>
3: No, because I, I remember me and him
0: talking about it,
1: and he didn't realize he could get a free subscription through like Verizon.
2: Yeah, sure. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I actually had gotten the. I actually was on someone else's account. Okay. So, um, but uh, I think maybe I missed the first week, but I was current after that. Me and nice. Chris watched it together, so we loved. it. Where did it. you absolutely stand? Yeah, I, 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 I absolutely loved it. I am a mass. I'm like biased because I think anything John Favreau does is awesome, and I think Fair. it's awesome. Um, shout out to the Chef Show as well. If, you haven't watched that on So Netflix. good.
1: Or Chef the movie. Great.
2: So Great good. Stuff.
1: Great stuff. Wait, didn't, didn't you make a few months ago the Cuban sandwich from that movie or something? Oh, yeah.
0: For like the fourth or fifth time.
1: Oh, really?
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: A little pork butt. Uh, go so You're
3: good. good.
0: <laughs> Comes out amazing. Those you sandwiches are insane. Do you
3: use a, you use a pressure
0: cooker for that? Uh, you have a no. pressure cooker? No, I roasted no. it. I do have a okay. pressure cooker, but I just roasted it. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, more Mandalorian, please. I still haven't watched the, um, the that little documentary jam that they've been releasing.
1: Yeah, I want to watch it. I had a bunch of other things that were, like, starting to stack up on me. So I to sure. like, knock those out, um, especially because there was a couple series finales in there. But I do want to get to that soon.
0: So I've got one that I just assumed you were going to have. I thought you would have been all over this. And I actually didn't dive too deep into it because I figured you would have the info. But maybe you missed it because I don't know if it was just today. But uh, that it was, like, more pronounced, uh, but Edgar Wright's new production company focused on TV and movies set to kick off with three projects for Netflix. Does that excite you?
1: <laughs> it, it does. Uh, that is literally the first time I'm hearing of it. I didn't even see a rumor of a Wright related thing today. Ah, so.
0: okay. So yeah, so there's um, there. well, it's it's a new production company. I actually... I. I uh, apologies this notice horrendous because I wrote it down and then I think I edited it and then removed the name of the production company (laughs) from the notes which sucks
1: why don't you find that and in the meantime while you're searching for that Caleb are you a fan of Edgar Wright's work because me and Anthony love just about everything he's done
2: I honestly don't know much about him off of name
1: okay you know Simon Pegg and Nick Frost the actors so the first few movies that they did were all written and directed by Edgar Wright or Edgar gotcha. Wright and Simon Peck together. So they, the three of them did the loosely related trilogy of movies, like thematically related trilogies. The three flavors, Cornetto, which is um, Shaun of the Dead, <laughs> Hot Fuzz, and then At World's End. Um, Edgar Wright also did Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and uh, Baby Driver.
2: I Only one that I've seen out of all of those is Baby Driver. Okay, which very good movie, which I, I, which I really, really liked. So good. That I, was I one of our Vanettis. first episodes. I'm a that huge was like audiophile, and from the moment that he's dancing down the street and everything oh, yeah. correlating to the music, I was like, "This is unique. Like, I love this. I'm all about it." Was he slow? <laughs> uh the, <laughs> I,
0: I, I pulled up. I pulled something up here for you. So the name of the production company is Complete Fiction. Uh, which is great, uh, <laughs> but it is uh, Nero Park and Edgar Wright teaming up with longtime writer director Joe Cornish. Now, this is coming from Deadline, but this was reported like all over the place today. Um, so it's, I, I thought, I thought I was certain that your good new was going to be this.
1: No, it was Mandalorian news, which was which is nice great. To- now we
0: just have two amazing things. So uh, the first project is Lockwood and Co., a supernatural action adventure detective series based on the best-selling novels by Jonathan Stroud. The series will be helmed and executively produced by Cornish. Uh, there's a City. what's this other one. There's a few other things that they're working on, but it's three projects right off the bat, and it's I. In conjunction with Netflix for those projects, that doesn't necessarily mean that all of their work will be. I was just kind of curious how you feel about them releasing something specifically to Netflix uh, that's not a movie, and it seems different for where he's coming from. Am I wrong?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I would be interested in anything. I mean, the fact that he's just producing it instead of you know, hands-on writing and directed it, it's not going to be something that I'm going to be clamoring for in the same way. But it's something I'm going to be willing to sure. give a shot. Um, but
0: the influence will be there
1: yes um, or at least
0: the feel and the yeah
1: but um yeah no I, I don't really care it's gotten to the point i mean i desperately wanted another alex garland movie and instead i got a show was i disappointed mm-hmm. by that no i was not <laughs>
0: <Right. You know? laughs> but uh, and that that seems pretty exciting to me i thought that would be right up your alley uh just that just more stuff from that mind well, that's what right. I'm getting at. Is yeah, if you give
1: me more stuff, I'm not gonna going to look a gift horse in the mouth as to what form it's taking. For, sure. But if you're Should Caleb, do. if you're that, you know, like you said, an, an audiophile, and you and you like and appreciate the sonic, you know, integration into movie making, you'll enjoy his other work as well. It's present in not just that movie. It's just as present in everything. Everywhere. Else. Shaun of the Dead is an iconic. Comedy, horror movie, and Hot Fuzz is just as good, if not better. And I and Anthony personally love Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. It's a tremendous watch.
2: That's one that I've definitely been meaning to watch. It's on my list for sure.
1: Those three, I would definitely, and like they're all three of them are just so much fun. Like they're just fun movies to watch. So those you should definitely put on. At World's End was good. It's a darker, heavier affair than the other ones. It's still funny. Um, I didn't love it in the same way that I loved those other three movies, but it mm-hmm. is still a good movie.
0: I still have to see that one.
1: Oh, you never saw it at all?
0: No. Um, it's just like one of those ones that like I planned on seeing over and over again. And like it, the timing just never worked out and it just never happened. That not for any other that reason. Was,
1: that was me with, uh, Interstellar for the last yeah. time.
0: Fair enough. Uh, I've got... A nugget that ties well into a new. The nugget is actually was shared to me by Al earlier this week, and that is that if you go on the New York Times, there's a oral history of Mad Max Fury Road, which was just amazing.
1: By all accounts, that movie should not have happened. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm basically to read it. I sent it into the Slack, so I don't know if you read it, Caleb. It's so entertaining Caleb, to read. Caleb, you're your voice. we're on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's Killed, it's say no it's, say no out loud say no <laughs> no it, it's
0: super it's uh,
1: <laughs>
0: it is absolutely worth I your time was needed there I just if, if you take if you take a minute to go look that up uh it, you know when you have some spare time in your day uh it's it's definitely worth the read just like the crazy things that they went through the fact that the movie was like shut down and start like we knew a lot of the stuff but hearing it in detail from the people that were involved was a lot of fun to read through uh, and then you know how the internet works. You sent me that. And then everything on every website was Mad Max related, including the story of Furiosa returning to star in her own movie set in the Mad Max universe. However, it's a younger Furiosa that will not be played by Charlize Theron, which seems like an odd choice. That's disappointing. Right? That's what I was saying. So I I, I looked fur- a little bit further into it. There was an interview with Miller who had said that they played with the idea of doing de-aging tech, but don't think that it's quite there yet. Which I I appreciate making that call. I just don't know how young we're going that they can't do this with makeup. I mean, she's not young. I I know. I know. (laughs) But... I mean, if, we were, if we we're a good makeup artist, like we're only messing with height at this point.
1: Well, I'm assuming if they're doing it, they're probably going for like an 18-year-old Furiosa or something. Like yeah, I
0: guess. But uh, I, I was I was bumped to hear that only because she completely rocked us, that character.
1: <laughs> no, was, she did a great job. It was a really good movie. Um, Caleb, are, are you a fan of any of the Mad Max movies, let alone that one?
2: I did see that one. I never saw any of the originals.
1: That's where I'm at as well. Anthony is like a super fan of all of those movies. Well,
2: you know Tom Hardy's in that movie, so <laughs> of
1: course all. that that's <laughs> <really> for
2: <funny. laughs> um, Caleb
1: is things. a super fan of just him alone. So
0: <laughs> respect. <laughs> I love him and his mumbling. <laughs> it's great.
1: <laughs> see, can we talk just very briefly about him and the mumbling? Because sure. I don't get why that's all he does now.
0: I'm not sure either.
1: Because he's got another movie that just came out or is about to come out where he's mumbling again.
2: I think it's a degenerative thing. I think he's just going to slowly just... It's going to keep going until then all you get is... It's just just grunting.
1: Well, that's kind of something I've said on this show in the past (laughs) about him in particular and about anyone who does so many different types of voices or different accents and stuff like that. I don't know how you don't lose your actual voice after a certain point, like where you f- mm-hmm. kind of forget what you sound
3: like.
2: Yeah, I, I'm a huge, like I said, I'm a huge Tom Hardy fan. I, I've loved a lot of the stuff he's done, but I've, it, to, if I'm going to be honest, the last couple things I've seen from him, few things I've seen from him, He's running out of stuff. It's starting to become like a recycled thing. Like he's kind of, he's losing that edge that where he would really just like, wow, I've never heard him do this voice before. Like, how does he keep coming up with these different draws or this different tone to his mm-hmm. voice? It just, he, he sounds like he's reached a wall. And I don't know. I'm, I'm it's it's getting a little where, repetitive. Yeah, it's getting repetitive. I'm curious to see, because now he's going to play Capone.
1: That's the movie oh. I was talking about. But if yeah. you saw the trailer, he's mumbling in it again.
2: Sure. Yeah, he is and I also don't understand the casting on that. Like I I like seeing him play dark dark conflicted characters, you know, characters that are tend to be aggressive. He's good at that sort of stuff and that quiet he, like his, he his eyes he's, well. he's like a he, he's like a like an eye actor. Like yeah. that's why yeah. Nolan cast him as Bane because the dude can display so much emotion with his eyes. He doesn't have to say a lot, which is cool because mostly he's grunting. But aside from that, I I don't understand the casting for that role because just the fact that he's British in reality is just so <laughs> weird for me for him to be acting. Home. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't, really like, I didn't really, really like the visuals I saw in the initial sure. trailer they have out for that. I just, I don't think I've heard him
1: speak normally in a role since Locke, which was like eight years ago. Venom. Yeah, but <laughs> even then it comes and yeah, goes. Like,
2: unfortunately, unfortunately, I did hear him speak and I did see that movie.
1: <laughs> but was what I'm saying is, like, that's not his voice. Like, he's doing a weird American accent. Like, it's that's not true.
2: Yeah, he's trying. He's attempting. It's <laughs> not
1: American. his voice. I Locke is the last thing I saw him in that he used his actual voice
0: and his one line from... Uh, Star Wars. Inception? Inception. That's the one. <laughs> Star Wars. Oh, no. His, his Star
1: Wars bit got cut. <laughs> oh, that's right. No, but Inception was in 2010.
0: I know. Locke was I in
1: like
2: 2013
0: know. or 2012. Oh, oh what? Well, when was this
2: is war? I think that he, was like 2008.
3: All right. Did he have an American
2: accent in that one too? Probably. I, no, no, no. He was, he was, he was a Brit boy in that one. Okay. That was like the, the juxtaposition between the two of them. I got a question. Okay, where do you guys land on that movie? Because I feel like that movie is a mega guilty pleasure of mine. I I, I rate that movie highly. I don't what, think this is war. Alone. This is war.
0: Oh well, yeah. I, Thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay, (laughs) a a lot of
1: people liked that movie. Not to say it's a good movie, but a lot of people liked that movie. I never actually saw it, but I I did hear that it was an enjoyable movie.
0: Yeah, it's it's very entertaining. Well, it looks like we have another future episode on our
2: hands. I I mean, I don't know if you guys do. Do you guys do comedies sometimes? What's that? So you, do you guys do comedies? I didn't know if you do that. Like, oh, comedies. yeah. Sure. Oh, okay. We'll okay. do it. The Is, I, is can, it a movie? Yes. Hey, that's the next one. <laughs> they it can up. be
1: kind of hard, I find, for us to actually yeah. have really good content on in this.
0: It does seem like we end up talking more about other things of the genre and what we like about comedies. Like when those episodes come up, it's not so yeah. much a deep dive into the movie at all, which is fine because it's just shooting the shit about movies, which is what the whole show is all about anyway. True. But, but, uh, anyway, um, Literally, That's that, that on is. the Mad Max piece. Oh, the other part of that was that uh Furiosa is not currently a character in the sequel to Fury Road that is being uh worked on. Uh not to say that she won't show up, but there's no specifically large role with her involvement in it. it seems yet. odd considering she essentially stole
1: not like, well, like she became, she was the protagonist it,
0: in that movie. It is weird, right? Because more specifically, because uh, not only are they, they're like, oh, they recognize that like, this character is awesome. Let's give her her own movie, and then take the Furiosa out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I was kind of bummed when I heard that. But uh, Al, do you have another? You don't have another new. You have a nugget.
1: Um, I have a nugget. Hold on tight for this one, boys. This one's Hold on to cool. your butts. So, to start off this nugget, I am going to send you guys both oh boy. a tweet for you to look at real quick. Now, dun, dun, dun. while I copy the link to this, are you guys familiar with this thing that's been circulating in the last couple of days? This meme format, specifically on Twitter, but it showed up of, of elsewhere where it's like my plans, and it's a picture of something, and then it's 2020, and it's something that's going to like ruin, destroy, kill that thing. Or have you guys seen this in the last few days?
0: I, I have not, but I'm.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to send you guys one. And there's a tweet with this one. Now, I know neither of you guys are big sports fans, but are you familiar with Randy Johnson? (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's pretty great
1: (laughs) are you familiar with Randy Johnson and why this meme is relevant yes (laughs) okay now I was hoping at least one of you wouldn't be because Caleb boy am I going to send you oh it's so innocent (laughs) am I going to send you a video explaining this so for those of you who are following along in the audio sense um, it's a picture uh, it says my plans it's a beautiful white dove and then it says 2020 is Randy Johnson (laughs)
2: Oh no, yeah, wait, can I guess this?
1: uh, You can guess guess as 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 I'm I'm sending sending you this. uh... (laughs) Okay,
2: I was going to say, I'm going to assume this dude fucking absolutely exploded a a dove. Uh,
3: Obliterates.
2: (laughs) Just puree. Come on, I'm... I'm, Here we go, folks.
1: Just just look in in your search bar, Randy Johnson bird, and you'll find the video, and it's going to make your day. Uh, Or ruin your day, whichever, you know, and Uh, uh, and I'm not rooting for the baseball in this case, but. um.
0: Sure, sure. There was a, uh, I I went to uh, Cedar Point, Ohio a few years back, and it it was an, you know, it's a beautiful day. Roller coasters, lots of fun. It wasn't overly crowded. It was great. But it was like midway through the day, kind of exhausted, standing on a line, waiting, a little bit dazed. (laughs) <laughs> <A little bit. laughs> Caleb just held up the video yeah, of the that, bird exploding. That, that, uh, that now I want insane. you to keep that picture in your mind, Caleb. So little, little days, kind of just standing online, just staring off at to out, um, at the at the track of one of the uh, of, of one of the roller coasters when a bird just gently lands uh-huh. right on the track, and I lock eyes with the bird. And then the roller coaster oh, no. just comes. Swimming. For the rest of the day, there were feathers just at random parts of the park. <laughs> <That's just awesome. laughs>
1: that reminds me of there was a news story like probably fifteen years ago. Of you remember mm. Fabio? Yeah, yeah. Fabio was on a roller coaster. <laughs> which just picture that with his fucking ridiculous flowing locks,
0: luscious locks, of course. And
1: he was sitting in like the front row of the roller coaster, and a bird creamed him in the fucking face uh, and, like, didn't it, like bust up his nose, nose, nose right
0: yeah oh man that's rough
1: i always think of for me the only point of reference to fabio is in zoolander when for whatever reason there's multiple jokes involving fabio the first in which they're going to recruit him to be the model assassin and they and no, no no he's too smart <laughs> we need yeah. someone incredibly stupid <laughs> and then fabio is receiving an award at the the modeling awards that they go to and it's from best model slash actor, and he's giving his he's giving his acceptance speech, and he goes, "You know, this award is very important to me because it's the best model slash actor, and not the other way around." <laughs> <It's the best
0: laughs> fucking Did you ever watch the sequel to that movie? I refuse to. Oh, I, I never saw it either. I I want to. I'm just curious, but no, no. I
1: heard it was so so bad. I won't. Mm, yeah. I won't
0: do it. I. I, won't... I We'll make it happen.
1: (laughs) I dealt with with Anchorman 2 tarnishing Anchorman.
0: Uh, That really did put a damper on that movie, didn't it? You got to do that.
1: See, I don't want this to do the same thing to me because... That's a good point. Zoolander is tremendous. It was a very important comedy in my formative years.
2: I would sit and watch that dove get murdered four million times on repeat rather than watch Anchorman 2 again.
1: (laughs) The thing is, there's something a little satisfying about watching the bird explode so perfectly. And again, whoa, I didn't wish. (laughs) Peter, we've offended you multiple times on this podcast, and like, it's not a true reflection of the show. Me and Anthony have both kept pets our entire life. We love them.
2: Sure, but if you're looking to diversify your sponsorships, they're here.
1: (laughs) Uh, That being said, that bird explode spectacularly.
0: That bird gets wrecked,
1: <laughs> just like our plans in 2020.
0: There's no two ways about it. <laughs> uh, I, I, from what my note, it appears that we only have one more topic left, and
2: that's what we're watching.
1: Uh, unless Caleb, do you have any news or nuggets?
2: Um, other than the fact that we're getting Bill and Ted three um, at some point, that's really it. Isn't Actually, that? Doesn't it suck that that's the news for all movies?
1: Something, yeah. something at some point. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, no, that is that is the formula right now. Actually, yeah.
1: at this moment, before we get into what we're watching, do we want to – because we probably should have done it earlier in the show. Caleb, you want to tell us about your podcast that you just started last week?
2: Oh, sure. little shameless pluggy plug?
1: Well, it's not – it is shameless because <laughs> – <laughs> it is shameless because I teed it up, not you. If <laughs> you no, would have been was, like, now it, this, this now reminds me of the chemistry that we have on my podcast. What, you know? <laughs> what if he just went
0: – you want to talk about the podcast that you just started – not good
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, God. say what out
2: say what out uh, yeah no absolutely so me and my buddy kevin we started a podcast um Kev- kevin Shortcast. also helped with
1: the K- kevin also um, helped with the roof raising
2: oh he did he did he didn't <laughs> raise the roof there was no dancing involved in case anyone was wondering sorry but, i um, cut you off this opportunity your
1: podcast the Shortcast pod
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh it's called (laughs) You'll get that, bro. (laughs) It's so should I go now or Yeah, (laughs) do it. (laughs) Uh, it's called Shortcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I know who the baseball player is and who the who the dove is. (laughs) No, but it's it's called Shortcast. Um it's a short and sweet weekly podcast with me and my buddy Kevin. You can visit our website at shortcastpod.com. You can get in touch with, touch with us at shortcastpod at gmail.com or uh, tweet at us, bro. Get at us on the Twitter at shortcastpod. And uh, if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. We're, we're available on any place that you can possibly shove a podcast into your ear. So yeah.
1: nice. my, my tweet-length review of episode one of Shortcast Pod was just as many, if not more, Random topics in one episode as flicks and a six. Huh. huh. So nice. <laughs> we did
0: something. We did something right. Nice. Sweet. Uh. Yeah. Oh, I j- just stumbled upon one last new that I had scrolled away as done. Uh, we talked about it last week a little bit, and that was uh, Tenant was set to. Uh, Nolan wants to open the theaters with Tenant. Right? We we know about this. Uh, it's more likely that that's not going to happen. This comes from independent Jacob Stallworthy. It's been reported that the Inception director is fighting hard for the 17th of July release date of this expensive new thriller to remain unchanged, despise the Warner Brothers films being delayed until 2021, other Warner Brothers films being delayed until 2021, due to strict lockdown guidelines. Did you say despise? While it looked like the gamble was going to step closer to paying off following the latest update from View Cinemas, it's now come to light that the release will only be sanctioned if 80% of cinemas worldwide are open for business. Uh, that's almost certainly not going to be the case. Probably not. Uh, in which case, it will likely be, it's going to be potentially moved back to mid August, which is going to affect uh, the next Wonder Woman, which will then be pushed back to September, I think it said. But either way cascading effect on all movie releases. Uh, which, I, I mean, it, it makes sense. I really don't think that it's going to happen. It's, it is, seems too really soon.
2: I hope that pl- theaters especially are not up and running by June or July. <laughs> right,
0: right. Yeah, it just seems too soon. It, it, the, 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 the closer we get, the, the, the too soon it feels.
1: <laughs> also, some of these movies that, that have been like pushed back or whatever, it's like you could probably do a direct-to-digital 100%. OK, But a Nolan movie needs to be experienced in the theater first.
0: Absolutely. I almost want it to be delayed a year so that I don't. Have, I could feel comfortable going to the theater to see it four times.
1: Well, that's the that's <laughs> part of the, the problem, right? Is when some of these things open now. If you're listening to this and you don't live in like the tri-state area or California, your experience may have been very different than the three of ours. But sure. Basically, everything has been shut down for two months now. Like, we've reached the date where it's basically been two whole months where mm-hmm. everything has been closed. So, when they open things back up, it's not... Like, some people might rush back into that breach, but I, I'm not going to be super excited to cram into a baseball stadium or a, <laughs> a movie theater or a packed restaurant or bar. Like, I it's not something I'm going to be super... It'll be nice to have the ability to, and for damn sure it'd be nice for those people to be able to get back to their lives and their jobs sure. and everything. Like it, it's easy for me to say, Oh, just keep everything closed because I've worked through the whole thing. Hell. I, I mean, like it took until last week for my job to finally be like, could you maybe back down to 40 hours a week?
3: Cause <laughs>
1: I spent three whole weeks working 60 hours a week. Um, and it was evident on the show cause those three episodes were bad. I fell asleep mid-sentence. It was very obvious to me after it was all said and done that those were not very good episodes. So I do apologize to anyone who's listened to them uh, because I wasn't at my best. Um, So I understand how the people who haven't had the benefit of being able to work through it want everything to come back. And I I don't begrudge them wanting to be able to work and make money because, you know, that's how you stay alive. But I'm not going to be rushing to sit down in a restaurant. I'm not going to be rushing – to sit down in a movie theater with all these people on top of me, even with masks on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I completely agree. So our our drive-in theater plan stands. We'll figure that one out when wow. we have to. <laughs> we,
1: we, that's it. We all we all the three of us can pull in our cars next to each other at a drive-in theater. We can see tenet together in a drive-in movie theater, and Pretty badass. <laughs> then we we can record in my basement where each of us sits in. In a different corner. Different corners <laughs> of the room. <laughs> With the microphone closer. To, well, actually, I guess Anthony and Caleb could sit next to each other because they both properly quarantine themselves. Uh, they both work from home. I don't. So I'll sit on the other side of the room. It'll sound like I'm sitting right there because I'm three times as loud as both of them. It'll be Fair fine. Fair
0: enough. Yeah. It's like an Easter episode. <laughs> on our Easter episodes, Caleb, you're not you might not be you you probably don't have the visual. But usually there's a few other people on it. Dominic's on it. Uh, last time Al's cousin was on it. It was great. Uh, but we sit on one side of the table with the microphone and Al sits on the other side of the table, and mm. it still spikes.
1: Mm. It's <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's <iconic. laughs> the most egregious one actually was the one we did with Brian for was it for Avengers? Oh my god. Where we had a long rectangular table and Anthony and Brian were sitting on one end of the table, and I was sitting all the way on the other end of yep. the table. Yep. And <laughs> like it was so, like a beer pong table.
0: It, you were still; it was still very loud. It's still-
1: <laughs> a
0: loud boy. <laughs> we'll put you behind some soundproof glass next time. <laughs> Al, what are we watching?
1: Um, so we want to talk about what we're currently watching. I don't care.
0: You, ha- you you brought this topic. What well, you I
1: got? did. I figured we're all watching things. Everyone's sure, locked up that's in their f- homes. They're not doing anything fair. else. So let's talk about the things we're currently watching. And what I'm currently watching is Billions and What We Do in the Shadows. And both of those shows are so very delightful. They're just, what I've described on this show to Anthony in in private as well, Billions at the end of every hour, I feel like I've gotten my money's worth, which admittedly I don't pay a cent to watch. But (laughs) I feel like I've gotten (laughs) the maximum usage of the 48 minutes or whatever, 52 minutes that I've spent sitting on my couch. Every episode of Billions... It's a good feel. I feel properly entertained. Now, sometimes it's because it's a particularly funny episode. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a particularly weighty episode with really good, like, n- like nasty character interactions and development. Sometimes it really drives the plot, but the point is, no matter what type of episode they try to emphasize, at the end of it I feel like, this has been good. This has been a good use of my, my leisure time. Can't wait to do it again next week. Every single time. And I'm happy to report that in the second season of What We Do in the Shadows, it has risen to that level just as well. Ah, oh, so okay. I really got to get into this. I loved <laughs> the first season of What We Do in the Shadows, but it was a little uneven. It was the first season of a show. Sure, there were some great episodes. There were some episodes where it was like, That, yeah, yeah, bad. <laughs> but the, the point is, for a 22 episode comedy, if it wasn't the best episode, you can move, you can like brush that off pretty quickly. Sure, they have as you really hope that shows like this do, they have ironed out all their kinks. In the second season, they have fully actualized into what they want to be, where every episode has a purpose, whether it be to advance some sort of storyline, whether it be to follow some characters, whether it's just be, we're going to be the funniest possible thing, the most ridiculous possible thing we can be in this episode. And what it shows you is that they have achieved a level of confidence in their own art form. Because last week's episode is a totally derailed thing where it just follows one character. There's a nice. couple of scenes that they check in for two seconds with the rest of the, the house, but it just follows Laszlo, who in the <laughs> opening scenes, the the very first scene of the, the show, they're playing some sort of game in the backyard of the mansion. And what the, turns out that game is they killed so many people and buried them in the backyard that they have to find <laughs> all the depressions where the bodies are, de- are deteriorating and like, fill them in because it's a hazard because like a UPS guy came and tried to deliver something. and He fell into one of these sinkholes around the body and Perfect. he pulls out like an arm and he's like freaking out. And so while they're playing this game, they're playing a game where each of the, the, the vampires tries to find these depressions as quick as possible. And Guillermo marks them off so that they can fill them in. And all of a sudden there's just another person who shows up. And that person is another vampire who's trying to hunt and kill Laszlo. And that person's Mark Hamill <laughs> doing a ridiculous accent. Now, uh. So good. That's Let me so just exciting. tell you about my experience with Mark Hamill guest starring and things. This is now the third time in the last five years that I've watched something that Mark Hamill's guest starred in, and I didn't recognize him until the final scene he was on screen. That's ridiculous. <laughs> How that could be possible when I've loved Star Wars my entire life, I'll never know. But it happened when he was in an episode of Chuck. Didn't recognize him until the final scene he was in.
0: He's a wacky man.
1: Kingsman. Didn't recognize him until the scene he died. That one's happened, crazy to me. I, I know. Because that's the one that like he looks most closely to the way that he did with Star Wars, plus it was like, similar overlap in time. It happened to me again in this. And I'm watching it, and Mark Hamill is in it. He's being ridiculous. Him and Laszlo have this blood feud from 150 years ago when Laszlo didn't pay a deposit on a like a room that he rented from him or something like that. So Laszlo <laughs> decides to get his go bag in some abandoned hotel and totally leave his life behind him, go on the run as Jackie Daytona. And Jackie Daytona's (laughs) disguise is as a regular human man who's a bartender who owns a bar, and he keeps a toothpick in the corner of his mouth. Perfect. And when he keeps that toothpick in the corner of his mouth, no one can recognize him, including Nadja, his wife of 100-something years, Including Mark Hamill, who has been hunting him for (laughs) 150
3: years.
0: So, Laszlo is Uncle Eddie.
1: Yes, Laszlo is our Uncle Eddie. Jackie Daytona (laughs) likes the finer things in life. He likes human alcoholic beverages. He likes the girls' volleyball team at the local high school. He's their biggest supporter. He's the one who's hit hardest when they don't get to go to state because the budget (laughs) (laughs) sucks. The entire episode... Is about him oh, creating man. a new life as Jackie Daytona. <laughs> I, I gotta I really
0: gotta get on this show.
1: And like, and that's when you know a show has totally nailed what it's going for, when they can have an episode that doesn't matter at all in the narrative, even in the characterization, because I imagine that the hard-won lessons that Lazo learns as Jackie Daytona are gonna be totally left behind. And it really sure. doesn't matter because they take this stupid idea, which would have been a funny little bit. As it could have been a C-block storyline where Lazo goes missing for the whole episode, and it's about everyone else. And uh-huh. you just check in with him, and he goes, I'm Jackie Daytona, and blah, blah, blah. And it would have been worth a chuckle. Instead, they say, no, no, no. We're doing the whole fucking episode about this I ridiculous like thing, and we're going to double and triple down on this idiocy. And Which
0: is, it's funny, though, because that's only something that you could earn after a whole season of the show.
1: Yes. Uh, they, last week's episode, Colin Robinson finds new and better ways to suck energy from everyone. Beautiful. And he becomes entirely too powerful. He's more powerful than the other three combined. He's draining their energy without even trying. He drains so much energy <laughs> that he starts finding new powers. He grows hair. He <laughs>
0: <know>. <laughs> oh man.
1: It's an incredible incredible show. It is so, so much good. fun. It's such quick easy watch. It's so quick-witted like they just fucking drop lines like nonstop. It's just a delight for 22 minutes every week. Nice.
0: And not a delight in the way not that Not a you delight. Don't like, lose it on uh, this show. not a Phantom Threat. A delight Got
1: like it. a true delight.
0: <laughs> nice. Caleb, what are you watching? Um,
2: I've actually I've been enjoying the Chef Show. Nice. Um, I dropped off of, you know, any main series recently just because I've honestly been pretty busy in my own quarantine. So between starting the other podcast, getting all the kinks ironed out in that, recording the second episode, and losing it completely, and having to re-record. Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> So anyone, yeah, anyone who has listened to the first episode, we I apologize, I'm a little off of a week, but it's okay. Um, No, but you know, it happens. But yeah, I've just been really busy. So it's been kind of those quick little blips of watching something, you know, usually at the end of the night, um, you know, laying in bed and why not get, you know, why not get really hungry? Why not watch a bunch of food you can't eat? Sure. Right before you go to bed, you
0: know? Yeah. Just go to bed with your stomach growling. Yeah, I've done that. Not, Not a fan. Not a fan at all. No, it's, it,
2: it's pretty brutal, but I, but you know, it, it's a quick, easy watch, and um, I really enjoy it. Nice. Kind of like it inspires me when I hit the grocery store for the next week. You know, when I suit up and armor up for the grocery store when and I suit up to grab my stuff, I'm like, you know what? This week we're gonna make some Thai food. i <laughs> you know, my, just like whatever. My meat is job. delivered in a frozen
0: box, and Kim nice. goes and gets vegetables at the store. So I yep. uh, don't leave.
1: <laughs> I had Thai food for literally the second time in my life this weekend. I and? had pad Thai from a no. Thai restaurant. Sure, I got it Thai hot, like the hottest one they could uh-huh. do. Honestly, not that bad. Pad not that is... bad, and
3: that
0: it wasn't that hot, or you, it was like the food itself was okay.
1: Oh no! Like, well, first of all, like it was good. I yeah. don't quite understand the hype, but like it was good. Yeah. Like I, I would eat it again. It's just not something I would go out of my way to eat. But sure. no, like they have like the range of like mild, medium. Hot and then like Thai hot. Sure, sure. They were like, no, 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 be careful. Like if you're not used to it, you might. I was like, I've had Biosi barbecue sauce. Like I'm going to be fine. Uh, And I was, I mean, sure. There was a little bit of sweat and yeah, I had to fill my
2: glass of water, but.
0: Just, just get, get out of the pad Thai comfort zone because that's where, that's where things start to really open up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
2: Fair enough. Yeah. So pad Thai (laughs) is the, the gate for people is starting to experience Thai food in general. There's a lot of good stuff to be. Give had. me anything with that basil. Anything with that basil, <laughs> or like the garlic naan. Uh, Come on,
3: I thought on. I for, for
2: in Indian restaurants. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Well, that's true. But I actually have. There's a Thai citrus is Thai and Indian. Both. And oh yeah, is, yeah, yeah. That's a great place to go. Nice. The um, the place I go to is
3: Thai
0: and barbecue. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, that's cool. It's that's very, cool. I'm all very fusion, confusing,
0: but it's very good. <laughs> all about the fusion. So yeah.
2: So that's what I've been watching. Um, and nice. uh, I've yet to really start um, a new series yet. I haven't.
1: Well, if you have, if you are looking for recommendations, oh. me and Anthony are literally chock full of them. So
2: yeah, that's fair. I was watching. This is ugh, this isn't a good look at the show. <laughs> I was, wa- and I'd be curious if. Either of you had started it or what? Because I know that last time we talked, you hadn't Westworld. Hmm. I started watching season three and I stopped. Oh, no. Yeah. So Aww. I'm going to grit it out. I'm going to give it its time. I just haven't found it in me to do it yet. Uh, that's upsetting. Hit one of those episodes that really lost me. what? Yeah. Like, oh, I don't get this. I don't get it anymore. See,
1: I'm finally gaining the confidence required to drop shows when they no longer interest me because for the longest time if I got past the first couple of episodes like I'm kind of just in it yeah you know, just mm-hmm. because like I start to form relationships with the show even if it's not quote-unquote good the amount of shows yeah, that, natural. that I've lasted like a whole first season of and not continued on with is pretty small sure. uh, I'm feeling more confident now in dropping it after like because I want to give it its due but on the other hand it's like I shouldn't have to do the work you should do the work Right, right. Uh, Yeah, that that makes total sense, and
0: I probably should have done that after the first season of The Sopranos, but lo and behold, (laughs) I have one season left, and I have not made a single motion forward. I haven't in in three weeks or so, I haven't continued on that show. Uh, It's just sitting there, and I think it's very possible that I won't. (laughs) I I feel like I need to finish it. Well,
1: uh, considering how far, like if you had made this decision after the first season, understandable yeah. at this point you actually probably should just finish it in probably. whatever pace you want to you know what I mean but um I'm surprised that you're finding it to be that tough I mean like it is it can be a hard watch but I still found it to be an enjoyable watch it's a good show it's a I mean, yeah I that well this
0: is my my strongest issue with it is I don't I don't agree so far and honestly and if, if the final season is what's gonna push me over uh, then it it doesn't count. I don't agree that it's a very good show. I understand where it sits, and I understand what it did for television. That's not lost on me. I don't think it's a good show.
1: I definitely. I think it's an
0: okay that. television.
1: No, I it's it is a very good show. Well, you know, it, well, hang
0: on, it is a matter of opinion. <laughs> Let's be. No, very what clear. I'm saying
1: is <laughs> there's a difference between your enjoyment of and its inherent quality, and there are a lot of inherent qualities to the show.
2: I don't know if it's just the quarantine life thing. I don't know if it was marketing that show in particular. I have heard multiple people say that they are currently just started watching. Um, a few who are actually so young that they just would never have watched it when it originally aired. Um, we're, we're getting old now, so it doesn't mean that you're particularly young, but it's just, you know that a that age. Well, the, fir- yeah. the
1: first episode aired when I was nine years old, when you were nine years old. So, well,
2: yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Even a five year difference. You know, you're talking some kids were would never have watched that show. Sure. Yeah. Um, and just I don't know. Like, it's one of those things based off of just a couple people being like, I don't really get why the show tuckered out though. Like the like what you just said. You've watched a good a majority of it, right? Mm-hmm. Majority. Okay. Yeah. And oh, yeah. you're just like, ah, I don't really want to finish it. That alone, I'm just like, eh, I don't need that. Well, but like, here's the thing. Like I said, it's not lost on me. Why? If it was, it, it's,
0: it's probably the first or one of the first shows to do the things that it does. It is. And, yeah. and that's, and that's fine. And I appreciate that aspect of it. That was a shock value that is no longer relevant.
3: No, and that is a is.
0: very big problem. Not and I will, I will value. be doing an in-depth write-up on this so when I'm finished with it, and which is the only reason that I'm willing to go through the rest of it is so that I can clearly state how I feel about the series as a whole.
1: It's not all shock value, though, mm-hmm. and so when I say it has inherent quality, um, there are a host of incredibly well-written characters, very unlikable characters, mind you, but well-written sure. characters. Uh, Tony, obviously, being the main example of it, there's. Tremendous, tremendous performances between Gandolfini, between um, Edie Falco, um, and some other supporting characters along the way. Joe Pagliotto, tremendous performance in the show, despite being one of the most loathsome characters ever to grace the screen. Um, There are some just incredible dripping with tension episodes. There are so many scenes between Tony and Dr. Melfi that are just... Riveting, And it's looking at the psyche of this monster who wants to come off as human. And mm-hmm. it's up to you to decide whether or not he is or isn't, because he keeps telling you he is, but he keeps showing you he isn't. Mm-hmm. And you have to find the balance between those things. It's very compelling television. Um, there are, some it, things-
0: I, I have to be very clear. That is your opinion that it's very compelling television. I think that it is there. There, I can understand why you would like certain pieces of it, I could understand why you would like the execution. I do agree that certain bits of it are executed very well. Uh, maybe it's the condensed like situation that I'm watching it in, it's the repetitive nature of it. And the it's, I I will, I, I will agree with you that there are some really solid performances theres definitely there's definitely been times where I was like where I have enjoyed a portion of an episode, like really enjoyed it like in that like even like there's something horrible going on but like mm-hmm. but like wow, and I agree with you yes the i honestly, if the show was just in the therapist' chair, I would probably be all in on the show because i those are the best parts of the of the series they are uh those are very very few and far between
1: uh the the as far as the longer form scenes there are They check in almost every episode. No, most or a lot of episodes.
0: They they don't. They really don't. It falls off like after the first or second season.
1: Well, they hit it it here and there. But well, it ends up being more snippets though. He'll show up for third, like thirty second scene Mm. with her in some episodes. Mm. You know what I mean? And those are good. The longer form sessions. You're right. They go by the wayside, but they do check in. You know.
0: Yeah. For sure.
1: But uh, anyway, I'll I'll I'll
0: probably finish it just so that I can actually formulate my whole opinion on the entire series. But uh, that's fallen by the side. Uh, Scrubs obviously continue to watch that here and there. Throw an episode on, it's good good laugh, very enjoyable. I, I am weirdly an entire season into Lucifer, which really, I, dude, the CW is just my guilty pleasure. I that, that was on it. Fox. Uh, I what thought it was? No, I, are you sure? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, it sh- he shows up and as a uh, a cameo appearance in in Arrow, in like the last season or the second to last season. But uh, I I would have I was certain it was CW. That's interesting. No, the um, first
1: several seasons were on Fox. It got killed. It got picked up on Netflix. I believe. By Netflix,
0: and it is oh man, but it's that style of show, and it is I it's super entertaining. It's so I mean. It is soap opera e like those other CW shows, but it's it's very it's so good and the characters are so much fun to watch and I'm so hooked.
1: Fair enough. It, I mean, it looked it. entertaining, but it looked cheesy as fuck.
0: Oh, it's so cheesy <laughs> <laughs> in the best way. <laughs> I'll, I just been I uh, will randomly just yell quotes from it because Kim watched it, loved it and really wanted me to watch it. So we started watching it again, and now we're a whole season into it.
2: Listen, if it's a cheese that you like, yeah, huh. eat it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm
0: with
1: you. Uh, Kel, is there anything else? Because I, I have just two shows that I finished watching this week. There are two finales that aired in the last few weeks that I finally caught up with. So I figured we could do a finale on watching if there's nothing else you guys have that you're watching.
2: No, um, I don't have anything else, unfortunately, at the moment. I'm, I'm in a little bit of a lull. Two finales, then.
1: poor mm. went out for the end of Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Mm. A slightly confusing final season in the sense of a narrative arc. Okay. It really just became three separate arcs of show to kind of tie off some loose ends. The first arc following a particular batch of mutated clones uh, and their interaction with the clone army as a whole. The second arc about Ahsoka after leaving... The Jedi Order and what it's like to interface with the everyday people in Coruscant and what that means, which has been maligned some since it aired. I liked it more than the consensus, while still admitting that when you consider there was only 12 episodes in the final season, four episodes devoted to that storyline is for sure too much. But for on its own, in a vacuum, I actually liked the arc for what it revealed. About mm. the fractured and decaying relationship between the Jedi Order and the common people of Coruscant. Um, but it does directly tee off the final arc, which is the Siege of Mandalore, which is of particular relevance considering our interest in the Mandalorian. Sure. Um, and it sets the stage for what's to come with the Mandalorian storylines in Star Wars Rebels. It's setting up what's gonna come in season two of the Mandalorian as Book Tom cries ascends to power on Mandalore as they cleanse Maul's rule and they finally end death watch on the planet for mostly good <laughs> barring another resurgence in rebels. Um, but it's going to help tee off that Bo Katan's character is going to come back on Mandalorian. Ahsoka is coming back nice. on the Mandalorian. So this helped bridge that gap. It's cool because it runs concurrently to though that arc runs concurrently to episode three. Um in fact the final two episodes deal with Order sixty six and Ahsoka's
3: experience. Oh, with sixty
1: six. And they pull the actual audio from this from that. They use the music in the same way they did in Jedi Fallen Order. Oh, Dude,
0: crazy. Jedi Fallen Order, the most intense version of the Order 66 execution that I have seen. That that was awesome.
1: I mean they all are in- intense.
0: But like the, when it happens in that game, uh, like you know that it's coming eventually and then when it comes you're just like it's just too much and you're also play, like you're you're basically unintentionally role playing as a small child at that point. So it's just super intense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but nice. Um, but overall happy with the show?
1: Yeah. Um I probably should have gone back and rewatched it just didn't have the time to rewatch sure. the show at large beforehand. So there was a couple of things that I kind of had to like pause and like look up just to refresh my memory on, especially when, you know, you meet probably 50 named clone soldiers during the course sure. of the show and only 10 of them are super relevant, but then you start to blur the background on the one yeah, that like, the three or four most important ones. So Fair enough. Um But not a big deal. Uh, it looked great, especially in 4K on Disney Plus, so it was nice. a good time. The other... Finale this week was, uh, well, this week for me, it was a couple weeks ago in real life. The final season of Brockmire ended. That's a fun show. That's a show that you can enjoy even if you're not a baseball fan. Um, baseball really doesn't matter that much. It's just a vehicle to convey this story. Nice. There's a lot of fun and funny references if you are a baseball fan. But it, just in the same way that you enjoyed the league, despite knowing nothing <sighs> about football and nothing about fantasy football. Fact. You love the hell out of that show because love just about it. It. anyone can if they get past get it. I <laughs> <Yeah>, Love it. <laughs> I don't even think he knows what that means. <laughs> and just the same way with Brockmeyer, you might miss an offhand reference or two. A sure. Cut joke. And it doesn't matter because the whole premise is what makes it so funny. I urge anyone who hasn't seen, and it's gone viral multiple times over and over again, the very first scene of the very first episode of that show <laughs> in which Jim Brockmire... Professional baseball play by play man for, I believe it was that time it was Kansas City Royals, um, shows up to work drinking because he just found out his wife was cheating on him with the neighbors. Oh my God. And he locks the door and has a full blown meltdown on air for like three minutes. And that is how the show starts. <laughs> awesome. Then it picks up like five years later. He's gone through this whole, he was like a, You know, clean-cut, like, wonder white American. And he's become an unbelievable sexual deviant and drug addict in the (laughs) football since then. And it's him trying to climb his way back to becoming a professional baseball play-by-play guy again. And it starts with him working for an absolutely terrible minor league team in Morristown, Pennsylvania. (laughs) And the whole rest of the show since then is showing him bottoming out. And then you think he's bottomed out, but he isn't. And then he truly hits rock bottom and starts to build himself back up again. And the final season, much like the final season of Parks and Rec takes place in the future, though there's a bigger time jump. It okay. shows him in the future. He's become the commissioner of baseball somehow. <laughs> and it's just showing him in a weirdly dystopic future in like the year 2030 through 2033, mm-hmm. the final season. And, it's just it was a really fun show. is intensely raunchy and dirty. It aired on IFC, so you know they kind of have no holds barred with that. Uh, I mean, some of it's truly disgusting, actually. But it was very, very funny. He is very, very funny. Uh, <laughs> but it was dark and depressing at times too, because that was the character. He was funny and mm-hmm. he was dark and he was depressing.
0: Hmm, interesting. Well, that's what we're watching. What are you watching? What should we be watching? Tweet us. That's been shooting. With that, let us get into some fun and games. Caveat for this fun and games. I could not find a single quiz that I liked. And I was getting very upset. I was I like, is there no
1: I find, I like, quiz? I, I was gonna couldn't find a single quiz about X Mac, and I was like, that's not surprising. <laughs> well no, that,
0: that that's not so surprising. But like I, I specifically wanted something AI related. I wanted a quiz that was gonna tell me which AI from a movie I am.
1: What Alex Garland Acid trip nightmare? Are you <laughs> sure? Even that? Yeah.
0: Are you creepy bear? Like, what are you? Demon bear, I, and
1: demon bear trademark. Uh, uh,
0: I I gave up, uh, and then found, then went on a, sh- a short adventure to find a quiz making app, which is nice. apparently nice. there's a lot of them, uh, and I, I made
1: my own. So this quiz is made by me <laughs> for you. Nice. A- I like. And that. it's got all the hallmarks of a good quiz. One of these days, I'm gonna have to bring the quiz to you because I feel bad that I think. You've done every one of the quizzes. Did I do one quiz? I think. I think you did one. I think yeah. you did
2: one, and it was like so, a super
1: surprising when you did it.
2: I did. So, just a little recommendation. Anytime I'm on the show, I think I should be the quizzer and you guys should be. the I'm quiz. down. You're I'm
1: gonna down. be the quiz master because when you
2: join Al, because Al. I mean, I don't know if I can contend with that that data bank.
1: <laughs> so and uh, Kale did come to me, come to Newberg Brewing a couple times with us for trivia. And him and our, some of our other friends were intimidated by our group's trivia skills.
3: Mm, mm,
0: yeah, no, I could see. I could see that. I could see that. I, I enjoy a good trivia game. It's, it's, it's great.
1: Actually, I like this. From now on, when we have guests, they'll go, do them the they'll do quiz, quiz. I like it.
0: Yeah, twice. give them some work to do. I'm down yes. with that. Your homework. Pulling it off. Watch a All movie.
1: Right. Bring some news and notes. Bring us a quiz.
0: <laughs> the what this quiz has specifically, though, specifically for you, specifically for this show. Is only three questions <laughs> because I couldn't... I didn't want to make any BS. I don't want to do, what's your favorite color? Like, I don't want any of those garbage questions in there. So there's do three I, questions.
1: Do I, I, was like, do I Do I get partial credit for answers where I show my work or...
0: No, no, no. <laughs> there's, there's three questions. There oh, are four definitive your show. answers. Show your work. And it's going to be very simple. So I've got the quiz pulled up for both of you right now.
2: the screen. The cleavage. I just saw Nipple.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> Which <laughs> film AI... Are you? First, pick a location: a remote compound, orbiting a black hole, an intersection, a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Orbiting a black hole.
1: Fuck, that's what I was going to pick too.
0: With it being three questions, I encourage you to pick different answers.
1: <laughs> In a remote compound, bastard.
0: <laughs> okay, choose a companion: Cooper, Sarah, Caleb,
2: or Nathan. Well, I can't go, Caleb. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Caleb, Caleb's Hi. answer to the quiz is just the Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other. <laughs> yes,
2: I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Cooper on this one, man. Okay,
1: Sarah, Sarah, Sarah,
2: Sarah. Perfect. Okay,
0: what would you describe yourself as? Cleverly witty, relentless, the strong silent type. What is self?
1: My incredibly douchey answer is I'm.
2: Kind of first, all of the first three. <laughs> <laughs> can you say the last? Can you say the 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 second one again?
0: Sure. It's it's cleverly witty, relentless. The strong silent type. What is self?
2: I'll go. I'll go cleverly witty on the first one. I'll go the strong
0: silent
1: type.
2: Strong silent type.
0: All right. The answers. All right. Uh, which? Are, okay. So here's the here's this is great. I'm very happy that this happened the way that it did because. I was very curious, how do these quizzes work behind the scenes? Caleb picked the three answers that are associated with one of the results and did not get that result. So it it means that the results are completely randomized. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Al, you got Kyoko. You keep to yourself and you're way more capable and intelligent than you let on. Though you are quite though you are quite guarded, you do enjoy the occasional dance party.
2: This oh, is disturbingly this accurate is, for me. Uh, this is really accurate. <laughs> <There's> no <laughs> evidence showing how accurate this is.
0: Kenneth, you got the Terminator and you should have got tars <laughs> <Yeah, baby! laughs> But anyway, for back. yours it says you are by all accounts a machine. you will stop at nothing to destroy the human race. The thing is, oh my God. the TARS one is so good oh no. <laughs> that I, I'm going to, I forgot what I actually wrote for it, That <laughs> I'm going to go back through the quiz to see if I can get the answer. Uh, wait, it, wait, it doesn't wait, make wait, any, any sense. I got to know what happened
1: behind the scenes here
0: because it makes, it, it must just be random. Can you, can you read the one that you wanted me to get? That's what I'm trying to get. I, I'm going back so that I could get, so that I could pull it up because. So uh, you
1: supplied the answers as well as the questions? I did. I did a lot of work on this. <laughs> There's a glitch in the matrix.
0: There is. Now, it's, now this is turning into me making my own quiz app, which is just ridiculous. Is okay. Fun? All right. I fixed it. I put the same exact answers that Caleb gave me and got the one that he should have gotten. So, Tark, <laughs> you're a brilliant companion. No ego, no animosity. You're here to be a team player and not at all to hurt, dismember, or otherwise eradicate human life. Honesty setting, 90%.
3: Nice.
2: <laughs> I like that better than Terminator.
0: Right, I agree. I, I I just assumed that that's the one you were gonna get because when I made the quiz, I knew which answers you were gonna pick specifically. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like like what the fuck? Is your so need <laughs>
0: I actually gave. I actually put more thought into Kyoko and Tars because I thought those were the two that you guys were gonna wow. get. <laughs> wow. Wow. Anyway, so uh, what
1: were, what were the other potential answers?
0: Uh, so you had Terminator, TARS, Kyoko, and uh, Ava. Okay. there was four answers. Each question mapped specifically to one of those results. Makes sense. So it should have been pretty straightforward.
1: Yeah, Yours I made sense. If you get two out of three of one. It's very simple. And
0: that's exactly what happened to you for you. But Caleb got three out of three, and it just picked
1: the Terminator.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Zero sense. It pulled some Joker shit. That's all. We
0: yeah exactly. That's all for fun and games. With that, let us get into our flick of the week. Ex Machina, released in 2014, rated R at an hour and 48 minutes. Your IMDb synopsis: A young programmer is selected to participate in a groundbreaking experiment in synthetic intelligence by evaluating the human qualities of a highly advanced humanoid AI. But it's so much more than that. Oh, man, Uh, let's just let's dive right in. I want I want your tweet length reviews. I want your scores. Caleb, you
2: first. Ooh, okay, All right. So my tweet length, my tweet length review. Ex Machina is a sexy robot. Dark and provocative. She'll bat her pretty eyes until you're falling in love. She looks great and her red lips utter a clear warning. But at the end of the night, she's still just a robot. And that left me locked in a basement to die with blue balls and questions.
1: (laughs) What's your grade? What's your score? 6.5.
0: 6.5. Okay. All right. All right. Gal?
1: A slow burn thriller about life and humanity and what actually defines those concepts in a near future that feels all too real at present. A borderline masterpiece in just over 90 minutes. 9 out of 10.
0: Nice, nice. Ex Machina is part of the Alex Garland God Complex anthology. Told through the lens of four characters and four perfect performances, the story unfolds as a heart-pounding and unnervingly steady crescendo that has me hooked from beginning to end. 9 out of 10. I like Caleb's the best. I'm very surprised by your rating. I I, I just assumed this was going to be a high rating for you. I thought this was, like, one of your favorites.
1: Same. I was surprised that it was... That low, well, at least just for how creative the tweet length review was. Mm, mm.
3: Um,
2: yeah, I, I felt like I, I gave uh, Interstellar on my debut episode a nine out of 10. I feel like people don't know like what my gauge is, as far as like how my rating is it hard, is it soft, what's the deal here. Um, we're talking about your rate. Felt- <laughs> oh, yeah want to talk about anything else. The
1: other one thrown around, is it hard, is it soft? So I just want to be clear what we're talking about. (laughs)
2: Yeah. So, well, uh, I felt like an honest review would have been the best review. I did struggle with this one a little bit. However, I'll get into it as we move forward as to why I went with the 6.5, but it's just honestly how I felt about the movie after watching it. Now, I did only watch it one time. Okay. It's tough for me because I do like to do multiple viewings. It just didn't happen. Fair enough. But um, that's how I felt.
3: All
0: right. All right. Let's, uh, the, uh, I was torn. I, I wanted, I was debating giving the movie a 10. Uh, and the reason I pulled back is I I'm trying to be a little bit more reserved with my, te- with my tens. And in fact, I'm actually going to pull back one that we did a couple weeks ago. Um, the interview is a nine, not a 10.
1: I, I was a little surprised how high you
0: went. The, the, <laughs> the problem is, and, and here, here's the thing. If you, if you know me from the show, from the stuff that I've written on the side, I really, really, I, 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 don't just really enjoy things. I really enjoy enjoying things. If that makes any sense. So like, my gut reaction is going to be super hot. I, 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 well, I'm not going in to dislike something. I'm going in because I want to enjoy it.
1: Well, and we've also talked how there is some selection bias because we generally pick things we think we're going to enjoy. Generally, sure. I mean, sure. Uh, a Star Wars holiday special a phantom thread you know there's there are outliers but we you get your generally <laughs> pick things we hope we're going to like right and most of the time we do but sometimes we don't
0: i and the reason why i ended up pulling it back is now my, like interstellar is a 10 out of 10 for me so
1: which is why the interview being a 10 out of 10 was insane <laughs>
0: what i'm trying to do is this, is now that's like kind of like the gauge is like is it as good as this can I say that with confidence? And if the answer is no, but it's I'm having a hard time, then it's a 9. Otherwise, you're probably going to range somewhere between a 1 and an 8, which is a more realistic place for a movie to be.
1: I also like kind of yo-yoed between 8 and 10 out of 10 on this one. I ultimately settled on a 9. I think anywhere in that range shows that this is a superior movie in my eyes. I think mm-hmm. any of those grades is perfectly valid. I could be talked up or down a half point or so on... My grade. Uh, I love this movie. The thing is, when we get to least favorite moment, spoiler alert, I don't have one. Mm, but I that do, but it's, doesn't, not, it's not reasonable. <laughs> I was like, well, well, I guess what I'm saying is I don't have any like one moment that doesn't work. But that doesn't mean that it's a perfect movie either. mm mm-hmm. But like sure. there's things that could have been better, but there was nothing that was bad.
0: No, I yeah, I I agree. So let, Let's dive into just some some general impressions. Uh, I I'm, I'm gonna kick us off here, and it's something that has become apparent to me because uh, Alex Garland is in the front of my mind right now. Right, we just finished devs not that long ago. I just rewatched Ex Machina. Uh, Annihilation will forever be just haunting my nightmares. <laughs> I <It's rough>. he. <laughs> <Help me. laughs> Uh, Alex Garland doesn't whine and on you. The movie just starts. Yeah, which I really appreciate. Don't hold my hand. Just get to the story.
1: Actually, it's so brief. Honestly, they could have afforded slightly more backstory. Like, you know what? But they didn't, and I appreciate ser- it. <laughs> when I say more backstory, I mean like ninety more seconds worth of backstory. Sure. <laughs> like not not ten minutes worth. Like what? Is the name of the company they work for. Right, right. It we don't it, find it, that it, out until twenty minutes into the movie. It is there
0: earlier on, you just don't know it until they it's revealed to you. The first I'm pretty sure the first or second scene you see Caleb's phone and it has the insignia of the company on it, but you don't know that until yeah. later. Uh, so on a rewatch, it's, 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 it's in your face a little bit more, but uh, I think maybe he wants you to watch it more than once, which I appreciate. Um, but no, it, like he's. I feel like when he was writing the story or like putting it together, he was just like, I don't care about this part. Let's get to the compound. <laughs> and, and you know, he a, he just a, rushes there. Like
1: a 95 minute movie. Let's spend as much time in the compound as possible.
0: Sure.
2: Sure. But, uh, <laughs> tremendous. Yeah. No, Cal, got, go ahead, I, because you... I, I, I appreciate when, when a director can effectively shorthand. I think it's something that takes a good director and kind of elevates them to a great director.
1: Yeah, well, and- the visual language of this movie is very important because they communicate mm-hmm. to you many of the details. Like you said, there's an insignia on a phone. Like How many things are conveyed to you without exposition
2: is pretty important. The scanning effects on his face within literally the first 10 seconds of the movie.
0: Yep, yep.
2: <laughs> this
0: is what we're doing. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I uh, it, It's, man, he's got you, he's got me hooked. I, I want to know, uh, c- kind of similar to what you're saying, like, Al, you could have used a little bit, maybe a little bit more. But like you said, like, not much more, just a little more. But it's almost like you don't need it. You just actually kind of want it because the characters are actually so well written and they the performances are so good that I'll take a little bit more. I don't need this, yes. but
1: yeah, not necessary. But well, I actually considering when you can when you look at this movie when you look at, and I, I like you said kind of like the triumvirate of this annihilation and devs. Mm. Uh, obviously, he has his other work, but which is, is all good. Too. But when you look at those three things together, they do all feel spiritually linked, especially X Machina and Devs. He oh, yeah. came out and said it. I don't know if you read that interview I sent you uh, from after the end of Devs. Um, he said, I always viewed Devs as being almost a direct sequel to X Machina, not in literal universe and plot, but in theme sure. and subject matter when you look at those three things, it's very obvious to you that he wishes to make you uncomfortable mm-hmm. with purpose though, not just to be edgy. He's doing it to get you outside of your comfort zone, to be willing to embrace things that are outside of the norm uh in the sense of narrative structure, in the sense of character, in the sense of just the, like batch of crazy concepts contained within. But I find it more effective to make someone uncomfortable when they have the illusion of comfort to begin with. Mm -hmm. And if you give someone just a little bit of comfort and hand-holding at the beginning, it makes the intentional jarring effect later on all the more effective because you have the comfort baseline to then be pushed off that spot. When you're started with discomfort on such a low level, low stake it maybe makes it slightly less effective when you make someone discomforted with other things that are of more mm. important to the, the proceedings. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it, uh, something that stood out to me, again, watching this and thinking about his other work, um, uh, he saw, I don't know what like, he's clearly very talented. Yes. right. Like he, he knows th- how to do his genre of this medium.
1: Yes, he, he knows um, how
0: to do it. He's, and,
1: he, he's an uncompromising auteur without the like, the cinematic douchiness that comes with that or, territory.
0: Yeah, that's what it seems like. And uh, what I, what's fascinating to me is like you can have a movie like this that like, there are so many questions. But you want the answers and you're also kind of nervous about the answers that you're not like, just tell me already. You're, you're there. You're along for the ride. It's, it's such an entertaining ride.
1: Also, of the three of those movies slash shows, this is the one that actually provides you with the most answers and closure of the three. The other sure. two actually leaves many more questions open-ended.
2: That's fair. I feel I don't know why, but I feel differently on that. Yeah. I
1: suspected that you would, considering your grade and your tweet length review, including that it leaves you with more questions than answers. I actually feel like just about everything is answered pretty sufficiently by the end of this.
0: I, I've got one gaping hole in the plot that we'll talk about at the when we get into spoiler territory, but I will we will circle back to that in in the spoiler zone. Uh, what is his? is he? He seems to be fascinated by God complex. Yes. And it's, I just like, it's the way that it's portrayed in his storytelling is, is exciting and you terrifying. Know, if, if, there,
1: if there is any douchiness, it's, I think it's earned and warranted and it's towards that thing that he keeps trying to expose for the problem that is like, he has a very low estimation of, I mean, to put it so bluntly as they did in devs, like, tech geniuses or whatever, tech billionaires or whatever the hell, they like, yeah, you know, he she refers to Forrest as, or Forrest refers to himself, I don't remember. Messiah. It. Yeah, well, Messiah was a word that was tossed around in that, but when she, I think, wh- whoever, I, well, they both say it, I think, but wh- I forget who said it first, but the idea of, like, tech genius, like, yeah. or whatever, like, his estimation of those people is awfully low, and on the past several years, my estimation of most of those people has been quite low as well, for similar reasons.
2: mm mm-hmm. I think that, you know, when people comment on certain directors for their artistic douchebaggery, you, know, you, hear that, you hear that, that term thrown around with Scorsese sometimes, you know, some other, some other people, some other directors. I, I think the thing about this guy is he tends to err on the side of functionality rather than flashiness for yeah. the most part, for the most part in his in his telling of a story, so when he wants to indulge, we want him to indulge as well, mm-hmm. which is the strong part about the way he does. Yeah. a lot of his stuff. Yeah, well, and
1: and that was kind of getting to the point of what I was talking about with being an auteur without the douchiness. He has an uncompromising vision for what it is he wants to do, but then once he's executed that, in the same way as many other auteurs, he doesn't care whether you like it or not. But I don't sense judgment of you for not liking it. Whereas Mm -hmm. with some other auteurs, I feel like if I don't like it, you look the, you, the the director is looking down on me for not liking your vision where it's like, I feel like my perception of Garland is he's doing the thing he wants to, not the thing that we want to, Mm. but if you don't like it, that's okay with him. Like we can still be friends. You know what I mean? Whereas, um, I don't really get it with someone like Paul Thomas Anderson. I don't really get it with Quentin Tarantino and those two guys, I feel like, and, and other ones too. It's just off the top of my head, like people that I know of, of like the kind of the last 20 years that people revere that I don't, when I don't get it, I feel like I'm judged by that experience.
0: Mm. Also, the the other side of the genre spectrum is Kevin Smith is kind of in a similar boat of he making the things that he wants to make that he likes. He's he's a Kevin he is the biggest Kevin Smith fan <laughs> like that, and he yes. just wants to see these things. There's
1: also no judgment from him if you don't like his thing as long as you're not a dick to him, right? But yeah. the difference is he likes schlock and does schlock, and whereas Alex Garland, I think is trying to create real art. Sure. But again, isn't judging you for not liking the art. No, absolutely. I can coexist with that.
2: Agreed. Yeah. The thing I like about Garland is that, like you said, he is unapologetic in his execution of things, but he also respects the viewer. Yes. I don't, I never feel like he's disrespect, disrespecting me. During the viewing, that's what mm-hmm. I was
1: getting at. Yes, I agree. That's another excellent way to put it.
2: Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, Caleb, this actually uh,
0: kind of dovetails nicely with your your comment about the stuff that he does being functional. Uh, and and you also you're a lover of music. Uh, these are more dark, on, ominous tones than music. But <laughs> I, the way that a scene will unfold with no dialogue, no just like no facial expressions in a lot of cases, just sound and color. And yet the hair on the back of your neck is standing up. Like uh, he's got something there that
1: like no other. I heard in saying visual language and leaving out the audio language too. the two work in conjunction, even though it's not spoken word, it's purely tone and theme and all that.
0: Yeah.
2: Because I think he does for as, out there as his stuff can be conceptually, he does reality well. Mm-hmm. He does interaction, human interaction well. For someone so obsessed with AI and robots. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and and um, even when you consider in all three of those things, the people aren't normal people, and they're definitely not talking about normal things, but they're still empathetic characters. The normal person can connect to them, and I, and I think that you know maybe the three of us to some degree have an easier point connecting with some of the concepts that they're discussing. My math background, Anthony's programming background for sure, and, but you as well. You have a lot of interest in tech stuff as well, so I think there is inherent like ability for us to be able to connect, even if those things that they're discussing are actually like magnitudes above what we can comprehend ourselves comfortably. It doesn't actually feel like they're speaking another language, maybe just a different dialect of the same language.
0: Sure. With that with that being said, though, you, you kind of get uh, if you are familiar with some of the topics, though, I feel like you, like you don't need to be and you get a lot out of it. But if you're familiar with some of them, you get so much more. And it's like, how much research did they do?
1: Yes, which yeah. is very evident with the exception of tradecraft and spying. Uh, sure. I feel like he has done an excellent job of researching and portraying all of those things, with that very obvious exception in devs. Um, all the other stuff, to the best of my knowledge, because they're all things that I have, in my own like armchair expert type of way, have familiarity with, if not expertise and firsthand knowledge of.
2: Yeah, were we going to say, Caleb? I was going to say that on your point about you know less dialogue, more visual, more lighting, more more audio. I think the reason that works so well is because if you really think about it, some of the most uncomfortable moments that each of us experience in our day-to-day life, no one's talking. Mm. You're, you, a lot of times, like internally, things that are uncomfortable, when there's nothing to fill the noise, it's just airtime. It's Yeah. Just quiet. Yeah. And, that's, that's, and that's, that's when you're not only in the film when it's quiet, you're, you're wondering, okay, like that cues you as, as a viewer as to... Okay, what your eyes are moving around on the screen? Who's coming in this door? Is there a window in the background? Is there a reflection in a piece of glass? Like what what's going on here? That kind of taps into that thriller, like horror movie portion. Yeah, because you're waiting. You're waiting for the opposite of silence. It's, but in, in in reality, you're not always looking for the serial killer in the reflection. However, if someone says something and there's no response, it's
1: that's like uncomfortable. the it's, it's the movie. That, it's, I'll say it's the movie viewing version of like feeling eyes on you. When mm. you like, you get that yeah. sense where someone's watching me and you look around and like, huh, I could have swore there was someone. Oh, no, there is, there's someone over there that, Like they were trying to get my attention despite me not looking at them. Or at least
2: I run into that yep. a lot at work where it's like, I, yeah.
1: someone's around, aren't they? <laughs> <You know?
3: laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, yeah. And, but and, and you know, the whole thing is he does it well. He does it well. He yeah. doesn't He doesn't overdo it, but he has this, he has a good sense for... For balance,
0: well, I think it, it, it's something similar to what you said earlier. Kayla. He doesn't leave you out, even if you're not familiar with everything that's going on. Like there's, he somehow gets you up to speed without telling you anything, which I don't under like again. Speaking to his skill as a filmmaker and a storyteller, like there are things like, and like I just said before, if you know the the concepts, you get a lot more out of it. But if you don't know him, it still makes perfect sense what he's trying to say. And Al, I was going to ask you. I don't know. I know you. You you're a bigger fan of Alex Garland. Uh, just, I know you like you follow him a little bit more than I do. Do you? Does he have any sort of software engineering background that you're from
1: that you know of? Uh not that I know of. Uh, his background is he was an author, right? So what I'm wondering is like I, but I'm curious. I will say this: uh, like if you've if you looked into anyone who is any sort of serious or good fiction writer, being able to do research on a topic is a, a deeply important part of that.
0: Sure. And that that's actually what's fascinating to me. That's uh, fascinating about it to me. And that's what I kind of want to get into a little bit is that there are things that like, I wouldn't expect him to either even consider unless he did what I do for a living. And yes. the reason being like, there are similar, there are very simple things like just the, uh, going down a rabbit hole of the possibilities of what you could do with big data, which he has brought up in this and he's brought up in devs. There's a lot of like, just the, and the dangers and the responsibilities that come with that. That's what a lot of this comes down to, which is great. That's cool. That's just a concept though, right? Like you can read a paper or you can uh, like read into some sort, of, into the concept a little bit and learn enough about it to, to write that into your movie. What I don't understand is it's how he pulls off, like, there, there's like a silly thing that I think about constantly Like when I'm working on something. Like, imagine the project that I'm working on is finished. What I can do next with it being done is fascinating to me, right? Well, and ap- he-
1: application is the true test of genius, right? Is anyone given enough time and study can learn conceptually what a thing does and what it's worth. The ability to take complex concepts and begin to apply them Mm -hmm. shows mastery of a subject sure and typically that requires your hands-on expertise of the subject matter not just reading the textbook but being able to work out the problems and then figure out an application for it is a true level of like like mastery of the subject
0: but what, what it's, agreed, but what was fascinating to me is that how he can pull this, like, this exact feeling that I've had out of me, um, and it's, like, it's verbatim. Like, it's exactly, like, how I felt about certain things. Like, And they did it in Iron Man also, where you have, like, he has this compound, right? Uh, 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 Nathan has this ridiculous compound. All of this tech, it's all built already, and then he can build these crazy things on top of that. The idea of getting to that point and, like, the excitement of already being there and what you can do next. Like, I don't imagine that like, unless you're, unless you're familiar with building things like that, you can have the exact, that exact feeling and be able to relay that to an audience. And that I'm just wondering how he did that.
1: <laughs> well, that, and like, you know, like, like I'm saying, like that shows a level of genius because what you're sensing is authentic, authenticity. Mm-hmm. like, Conceptual and narrative authenticity of this feels even though I know that the technology currently doesn't exist for this to be a thing where we are going even if it's maybe 5 or 10 or 20 years from there, where we're going that's it. That is Mm -hmm. where we're going. Even though we don't have the ability to achieve it currently, it feels real it feels authentic because it is and it requires someone to understand those sorts of things and it's not something you expect from what is essentially an interloper in those things. To my knowledge, mm. he does not have a background in those things. But I could be wrong. I, uh, sure. I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure.
0: Or even if it's like someone close to him. I, I just feel like that he has to have some sort of personal connection that he's able to portray it the way that he does.
1: Well, what it reminds me of is, and I know I've mentioned it on the show, I don't remember when, it was sometime in the past year or so. This reminds me The first person I've seen in quite some time reminds me of Tom Clancy um, in the research that he did. And I believe I read part of an article in the show talking about Tom Clancy. Everyone always wondered who did he have inside sources inside the Pentagon, inside of the CIA, whatever, because of the accuracy and authenticity of the stories he told about tradecraft, about these different things with spying with Cold War, war games, all that sort of stuff he had nothing he had hmm. no one as an inside source he had people that over time he cultivated contacts with who would help him by confirming the authenticity of a thing like yes that is a plausible scenario not saying yes that really happened or whatever on background none of that he came out repeatedly and said i had nothing i had no one it came, the people that he did use came out and confirmed he has no top secret clearance nothing what he had was an analytical mind, the research ability to find through open source all these things, and the way to apply that knowledge in a way that people who with only the conceptual, the academic knowledge of can't do. Mm-hmm. And people always assumed, for years and years that he was a CIA agent himself. He was not. He never was. The CIA came out and confirmed it verbatim over and over and over again. What he had was the ability to gather the information and apply the information in a way so that awesome. the layman can so rarely do. And that is a level of genius that you don't see every day.
0: Yeah, Fascinating. Um, well then let's lift the veil. From here on out is spoiler territory for Ex Machina. Not that... I feel like we maybe touched on it a little bit with Caleb's tweet length review. <laughs> uh, that that yeah, spoilers. pseudo has the ending in it.
1: <laughs> Whoops.
0: <laughs> you do realize
3: that
1: a tweet length review is supposed to be something that doesn't ruin. The
2: Maybe that's just the description of a movie in, that leaves me feeling a little shorthand. Yeah, and you defense. You
1: can't get out, and there's also a robot.
2: And <laughs> now it. they'll enjoy the movie more when they watch. It. <laughs> it did come out in 2014, so I mean, come on, go, you know, <laughs> come on, watch
3: <laughs> it, watch it.
1: Which, like, that was a whole ass experience where, like, I put this movie on Anthony's radar. Like, oh, this sounds really interesting. This concept. And it was like eight months before the movie came out. And we both like had forgotten about it for four months. And, like, and then oh, it was out. Well, yeah. And then like it came out and I was like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah. I totally forgot this movie was coming out. And then we both saw it and we loved it. I, I went from
0: hearing about it thinking, that's interesting, to owning it on Blu-ray. Yeah, basically. Was, there was no in-between moment. I, didn't even, I don't remember even being released in theaters.
1: I saw it in theaters.
0: Yeah, that's great. That would have been awesome.
1: Now, when I say I I saw it in theaters, I saw it in a theater, and there was one other person in the theater. (laughs) We were already practicing social distancing.
0: Amazing. (laughs) Uh, Amazing. Guys, I want to know about your favorite parts of this movie.
1: Uh, I already told you there is only one favorite part of this movie. (laughs) No, you guys can get to yours first, then, because...
0: Caleb, give me one.
2: All right, so I will say the... uh (laughs) I'm a I'm a big uh, Tarantino fan, so if you're going for what the fuck am I watching now, as opposed to what the fuck am I was I watching two minutes ago, the the whole let's my intro line. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm about to tear up the fucking dance floor right now, dude. Watch, watch me. <laughs> yeah, is, that, that scene is so great. That that's what great. they
1: call in the business a palate yeah, cleanser. and uh, <laughs> uh, because you're like, man, what the fuck am I watching? And then all of a sudden you're like. But now what the fuck am I watching? Because yeah. I'm 99% sure this is the same movie because the three actors on screen are three of the four actors I've seen in this movie. But what they're doing makes precisely... What, what, what's what about the, the fact that they clearly... like Somebody came on set to do choreography for this one scene. <laughs> well, here, what, let's go back to when I said I, I like discovered this movie several months before it came out and I... Put it on Anthony's radar. We are both super excited for it. And they made a big deal about Alicia Vikander. Hasn't been in a feature role yet. She's uh, She was like a professional ballet dancer. And I was like, oh, okay. And like they, the reason that was relevant was when Alex Garland was casting this movie, he said, I want someone who can make Ava look human but feel slightly off. I need someone whose movement skills mm. are accentuated and he was looking at dancers not actors because he wanted someone who could put the who could look beautiful and look like a human to ensnare Caleb the way that Nathan wanted to but who is constantly not this and you also you though Um, (laughs) (laughs) but who is going to make him off put by the way she moves just like he said I gave her sex but I didn't give her skin like normal human skin. I wanted there to be whirring gears and gizmos on her cuz I want the constant tension of this feels human or this looks human but it doesn't feel human back and forth. And so they 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 practice with her. Part of the audition was this and part of the movie making process was Alicia Vikander tried out all different sorts of gates of how she was going to walk across Mm. a room and this and that, to make it seem robotic, but the way a robot trying to be human would look. See
0: What you've done just now, though, is you've killed my whole discussion point of Alicia Vikander is a robot. Convince me I'm wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so that was the thing. and This, again, goes to the level of genius and the craftsmanship in the making of this movie that his primary concern in casting her was not Give me the best actress or the biggest name actress. It was give me the best fit for this specific role.
3: Yeah.
1: And that allows you so much more latitude to create something really, truly special. When you're looking at those details, Mm -hmm. um, it's super important. It's part of the lifeblood of this movie. It's what makes it tick. And so what I didn't know when I watched this movie, what I didn't know, even until I was done watching devs was that, Sonoya Mizuno, the lead in Devs, Kyoku, she also was a professional dancer Mm. before she was an actress. And so when you say, oh, they just brought in a choreographer, they knew it. No, she's a fucking professional (laughs) dancer. She knows how to do it. She probably did the choreography for the two of them. And also, by the way, the first time I watched this movie didn't register for me. Upon rewatches, I was like, oh, the way they synchronize in this dance, she literally can't be anything other than a robot. Yeah, but I totally didn't get it the first time. Yeah, it.
2: well, the eerie thing about that scene is, um, you know, you watch it and you think they've done this before. <laughs> this specific <laughs> thing, and like, sure. Think about think about that. That's yeah, that's, that's not comfortable. Well, no, it's upsetting. The, <laughs> if you want to talk about levels, it's very upsetting.
1: The levels and layers of this movie. Would you put it past him? being there alone like 100% of the time with his quote-unquote mute Japanese secretary, I could see him taking an entire month where he didn't work on Ava or any other AI at all. And he's just like, step, step, twirl! Could you not see him spending a month teaching her how to dance with him?
2: Just because
1: it makes him feel good. Could you not see him spending an entire month on
2: that? That's fair. No, totally. And that's that's a part of the building of his of his character too. Those those very uncomfortable moments with Nathan. There's plenty of them. That yeah, exactly Um, what I'm saying. And like
1: that sort of like like OCD like specificity where it's like, no, 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 we're doing this.
2: Yep. Yeah, and she's captive to it. (laughs) So my so my favorite moments aside from aside from that, sure. I personally, and this stood out. I've only seen the movie once. From the second it started, it just kind of I was I was into it. I'm a big Oscar Isaac fan. Oh, this, this is a, this is an work. Oscar Isaac podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Good, good to know. Um, I really like the, the 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 Pollock Room talk. I like the explanation. Um, I I like to find. I'll often look up the actual. Screen the actual screenwriting, like the actual script of the movie, mm-hmm. and then find those scenes that I really, really like. The lines, um, what if Pollock had reversed the challenge? What if instead of making art without thinking, he said, you know what? I can't paint anything unless I know exactly what I'm doing. What would have happened? And then the response of Caleb, he never would have made a single mark. Mm-hmm. Then you get Nathan. The challenge is not to act automatically. That part, I was like Ah, I love that. I absolutely love that. It, because it as someone that creates art myself on a daily basis, where you're sometimes the type of art you're making, if it's if it's a freelance work, if it's for your job, my job tends to be functional art. I'm doing things for school districts. I'm doing things for people that we have like big contracts with where you know there tend to be trends. So you're doing the same things over and over depending on that particular year. How does something, how does a piece of art function? Is it, is it functional? What does it look like? And it tends to follow like like kind of like a circular thing. You know, every year there's a, there's a cycle of what is popular, what works, what's effective. It's very hard to create random. Mm-hmm. Because as you're creating random, you're creating organization. And then you look at it and you're saying, well, wait, I was trying to create a random group of dots, but that dot looks really, really even away from that dot where the other dots really even away from that dot. And then at that point, you're just like, okay, that's not random at all. Mm -hmm. If I just, if I just threw a bunch of marbles, they would never land in that configuration. So that scene really, really just struck with me. And I also feel like Oscar Isaac's acting in that scene is very real. It's very, it's very, um, I'm the teacher. I'm the, I'm the young savant that created some crazy, company when I was 13 years I'm old. The I'm the cocky son of a bitch. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And that that speaks to Nathan's character. So yeah. That's my favorite scene in the movie. Uh, as, nice. as much as that might be a it's not really an explosive scene. Oh, dude, that's a great
0: choice, I, though. I, I like that a lot. That's an awesome choice.
1: It's funny because it does speak to the human condition, right? Because we trend towards order and organization in a world governed by chaos. And so it creates this paradox of okay, everything is random, so I want to create order, but I know I shouldn't have order, so I want to create random, but my own choice to be a slave to random is its own form of order and organization, and you create this like unbreakable logic loop, and you're constantly pulled between those two diametrically opposite concepts, Mm. and there is no solution in that um but as you said that scene is carried in in subtle work by Oscar Isaac he's great in this movie cuz he plays so many different types and it shows you really what kind of like borderline psychopath Nathan is where he sw- he swaps these masks out so comfortably and easily where i don't know if there is a true Nathan the true Nathan is just his own Pursuit of perfection and control over so many different things controls over everything, dominance over everything, even when he plays the submissive to be a part of the game.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You, uh, so what it's, you're saying is, go ahead, no, oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, it, it's what, what crazy, it's funny that you said that, that you're like, that you love that scene. I actually love just before that scene when they get up from the couch to go in the room, and he's like, I forget exactly what he says, but he's like, you're annoying me. Come here. Like or you're irritated, you're bothered, whatever you say. Like he's he's annoyed with
1: Caleb. And You know what it was? It was because he was he was saying something that it's and I'm not putting myself on the same like plane, like the same like mental capacity as someone like Nathan, because I don't, but when I get frustrated with people sometimes, I find it it's not the disappointment in the wrong answer. It's the disappointment in it is I know you're capable of more. And mm-hmm. that's what's in that scene, right? Where sure. you're annoying me because and it's before he's revealed to Caleb that he was chosen not like born to it or whatever it was. Like I forgot what like the, the whole thing was cuz he like they play it off as a random selection as we said earlier on, but he was actually carefully chosen. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't revealed to Caleb yet that I chose you for a reason. Mhm it seems like perfect circumstance, but he has chosen him for a reason. So his frustration boils over. No, no, no I already know you're smarter than that. Fuck off. Like, get yeah. it right. And this is like, the, we're going to do handholding oh. and it's going to be pedantic, but we're going to have a greater like version of understanding between the two of us. When the scene is over. It, It's super it, important for our
3: connection.
0: It's funny. Cause I, this goes back to the, the, the research and that I like, and the authenticity of the movie. I, I, I've worked at every company that I've worked at, except for the current one, that guy has been there. Nathan has worked at the company. The only difference is he doesn't have money or power.
1: Well, the the thing is Nathan's without a huge difference. Nathan's without money and power are people who want to be Nathan, but can't.
0: I, I, I know. And I think what's interesting about it is that in that industry, that person exists, like I don't know, one in five, and it's it it's it insanely irritating. <laughs> but but taking that person and giving them money and power and then making the story on top of that person was so good to me and so fascinating. And I just like I just it, it really again uh, back to the old. I mean, you, you nailed it. it. I couldn't think of the word but when you said authenticity. That is really what he's got going for him with his movies. But like that, oh man, it he Nathan irritates me till no.
1: And and he's supposed to,
3: (laughs) considering
1: (laughs) the context we discussed of which that specific character is what they're trying to take Uh, down. And they keep getting taken down in all of these movies. Yeah. Slash shows. um, You're supposed to be annoyed by him. Now, the trick that he plays is... He keeps inviting you in, like no, 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 you you kind of want to like Nathan, like yeah, like like like, look at this cool thing he's gonna do. Look at this cool thing he's gonna say. Like no, he's totally cool, dude. We're gonna have beers and like talk about like cool stuff, (laughs) sex and sexuality. And it's no, we're doing cool robot stuff now. But no, he's just a bastard and a douchebag. Like no, he is the worst person you can imagine, and all of the power and money to be the worst person you can imagine.
0: Yeah, for sure. Al, give me a favorite scene. Not, not specifically a favorite scene. Doesn't matter if it's your favorite. favorite. No,
1: my favorite scene is I'm going to tear up the fucking dance. Floor. Yeah, it's both for I'm so the. glad I uh, chose that line. It's <laughs> both for the absurdity and totally unre- like related to it because it's important on so many levels. And I know I was a little bit of a douchebag when I said the thing about palate cleansing, but it actually does serve a very important purpose in this mm-hmm. because, as I said in my tweet length review, as we've all three alluded to it is a slow burn towards a big finish, right? There isn't Mm -hmm. a lot of action that goes on during the course of the movie to that time. But the tensions are for sure escalating. We know that Ava doesn't trust, trust Nathan. We know that Caleb maybe shouldn't trust Nathan. We know that Nathan is inherently maybe untrustworthy. But we don't have any hard evidence on that yet. And just as it's starting to reach a fever pitch of... Okay, guys, what the fuck is going on? Tell me the secret. Dance party.
3: Uh, (laughs) And mm -hmm. it's
1: like, it's a total middle finger to the audience. But you know what mollifies that whole middle finger? Let's have fun with the most ridiculous thing you can imagine. But you need the most ridiculous thing you can imagine to totally take, like, be the pressure release valve in that situation. Yeah. But on top of that, it's just big fun. I actually have a funny story about that scene. Um, we were playing a drinking game in my house like a year ago, I think, or maybe it was like a year and a half ago. Because I think we got snowed in on a weekend night at my house, so it was all five of us. And the drinking game involved some sort. Of, there was like a like a fucking rou- uh, roulette, uh, yeah, yeah, like dial thing where you'd spin it, and there was either like take a drink, draw this card, do this, do that, or whatever. And one of the things was there was like a rule involved at some point with what was going on, and it was like you have to bust out a dance move so under the table (laughs) I looked up that dance scene watching it over and over again until it finally came to me and I got (laughs) up and did the dance and they were all like what (laughs) fuck and I just busted out laughing. It took me a good 90 seconds to explain what the hell just happened. That's and the so funny good. thing was, I was hoping, I knew my brother and sister had seen the movie with me before that. I was hoping they were going to recognize what the dance was
0: The from. only way it could have been better is if one of them jumped up and did the exact same moves.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I, why I, I appreciate it so much is, it's, it, like I said, it totally diffuses what's reaching a fever pitch at that point with something that is truly absurd. In a movie of absurdities that we take seriously, we needed an absurdity to totally take not seriously. And it's just that big fun and it it's meant to show you a bit of Caleb and a bit of Nathan cuz it's Caleb's righteous anger. You tore up her picture, man. And then his incredulity at what that's responded to. I'm a terrible fucking dancer, and he just starts dancing. And it's like What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, and he totally like sells it, and then gets up. Oh yeah, blah 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 blah. Like totally not a big deal, dude. Like even though it is a big deal because that whole picture thing shows you the level of crazy he's got in his fucking mind.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we
1: still won't know about that till much later or a little while longer, I guess, in the movie because it's not that long of a movie, obviously. Uh, Fair. It's a microcosm of everything that's tying this movie together. Yeah, all of the little idiosyncrasies that make this movie work. That is the biggest picture. Yeah. Uh,
0: uh, The, the, the dance party is, is a tremendous scene. I listed as my favorite scene. Uh, It's actually pretty early on finding out uh, when they explain, when uh, Nathan explains what he wants Caleb to do with Mm -hmm. the AI, he explains that he wants him to meet it and give it, basically give it the Turing test before they explain uh, I obviously I kn- I know what the Turing test is. I'm sure a lot of folks like that are interested in this type of movie already know what it is I'm actually surprised that they went as far as to explain it I didn't that I feel that kind of goes against the grain
1: Well uh, I like like I said it, well the important part of that is like we said they didn't explain every little bit of thing but they found ways to convey it yeah there is they, no but the, 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 the cool thing that to you without telling you and it is the one bit of jargon you do have to inherently know to be able to engage with the rest of the movie.
0: You do. And I think what's amazing about it, the, the concept of, and, and, and how dismissive, how dismissive Nathan is about this when he goes, but uh, Caleb says, but in order for it to be a true Turing test, doesn't the machine need to be behind a curtain? Like, I'm not supposed to. And he's like, no, dude, we're past that. Like, the way he just throws that away, I was like, oh, man, he is so cocky and confident that I love it. <laughs> like, I can't wait to see how this unfolds. And it's just the idea of, like, can you imagine, like, that, that is, again, uh, the the concept of uh, being there already and then being able to work on the thing that we already have, taking it to the next step of, like, no, we're past the point of, like, behind a curtain, We can we can... We can get you now. I want you to know. I want to tell you up front, Machine. She's gonna explain that she's real to you, (laughs) and like that—that idea was like mind blowing.
1: (laughs) Well, and it actually gets to what this movie ends up actually being about, which I don't want to do just yet. But I actually have a big thing I want to discuss with you guys on that subject. Like, like I said. You know, it was in creating all of those inconsistencies, right? The beautiful girl who's clearly a robot, the person who is screaming to you, I am a person, while subtly is telling you, you know, I'm not a person. It's the artificial (laughs) intelligence who could fool you in an instant, who is going to come out and tell you, Well, I can't fool you. I already, you already know I'm not like a a person. and it also shows you how far out of his depth Caleb actually is. When the second he says nowhere past that, he should have got up and left. Yeah. <laughs> they're not doing a Turing test. He should have realized right then and there, just but, how far beyond a conscious AI, the creature, let's call it what it is. It's not a machine. It's not a robot. It is a living creature at this point. Mm-hmm. It has achieved Confidence in or uh, sorry, com- consciousness in orders of magnitude far beyond anything any fledgling AI that you want to pass a Turing test. Oh,
3: oh,
0: well, uh, uh, well, that's even that goes down a, another deep rabbit hole. If maybe it has. Theoretically, it could just be that it has the the ability to simulate that to get to its main goal, which is well, basically
1: basically Nathan tells you though he yeah. tells you this is what the ninth iteration of. True AI that he's had, mm-hmm. or something like that. I might be misremembering the number. But the point is, this isn't actually a breakthrough for him. Mm-hmm. It's an incremental step for him. He right. has done it multiple times already. That's Blink so crazy. It, started from scratch and then did it better. And then mm-hmm. Blink slated that, started from scratch, and then did it better again and again and again to orders, like I said, orders of magnitude. This this being is so far beyond him, who is in the one percent of the one percent of the smartest people in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, other favorite scenes, Caleb. Do you have any other on your list that you want to specifically dive into?
2: Generally, the beginning portion of the entire movie. I like the, I do like the build of the movie. I like the. I really like the setting of the movie. Mm. I like. Th- I think that the building itself. Well, at least the portions that they filmed at the hotel that they filmed it at. Um,
0: What's the compound that they're in?
2: Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I think it's like a subtle metaphor for the entire movie in general. It's like this weird, like transparent melding into rock formations. It kind of, to me, the first thing I thought is like, okay, we're going from natural to industrial. Mm Mm-hmm and it's it's blurring the line from the first the first room yeah. that he walks into where he feel where he's looking around and there's piano music playing mm-hmm. you've got the human element which is obviously piano playing you've got the structures around him but there's this massive piece of like glacial rock just sitting in the middle of the room and that itself is just, that's, it's, it's art. It's artistic. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's super aesthetically without, pleasing. <laughs> yeah, also. Absolutely, and not, not only that, but it's also, it's aesthetically effective yeah. for a director to choose that because this character is now walking in from a natural, when he goes the outside to that little, it looks like a shed uh-huh. like, with the little, with that little key swipe on it. And, and I first thought, okay, this movie is going <laughs> to, I don't know. I don't know why. But the first, the, when I saw that light, anytime you see a light turn from blue to red, red is such a color for like aggression, generally, and not good compared to blue, which is like calm and peaceful neutral. and secure, or at least neutral. Um, it made me feel uncomfortable, mm. and my girlfriend was like, "Oh boy!" As soon as <laughs> as soon as the door opened, and I, and then I I literally said to her, I said. Yeah, There's a feeling inside me that says this door is going to close right behind him. And, and, and right before <laughs> it did, it closed, sure enough, and that light turned red. And I was like, that's going to be a thing throughout the movie. But I do, I do love when a character moves through a space, you're focusing on the character. But if you watch it again, you start to realize, okay, this place in itself is a metaphor for what we're going to be doing in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's going to start blurring the line from natural to industrial. What what is what is the difference between these two things? So I I do like the way the movie moves along and we start start to make our way not only not only deeper into the compound, but deeper into the dark secrets that are held within the bottom of it. I'm glad
1: you said that because it reaffirmed the point I was making at the beginning about the visual language, because Mm -hmm. picking up on that immediately, the transition from the natural world to the industrial, the blurring of lines. That's the whole fucking point of the movie, and they gave you a snapshot of it at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, we're gonna fuck around with the line between man and machine.
2: Yeah, and right. <laughs> fucking there. It's like it's like Interstellar, man. Daddy, I saw a ghost in the first yeah. yeah. thirty five seconds of the movie. I'm Ghost Murph.
0: Oh man, Uh, I have got I've got two other scenes under my favorite moments that I want to point out. Uh, The first is the uh, just I didn't like. I think the hair on the back of my neck not only stood on stood at attention but also like grew while he's going through the log of the previous AIs. Like it's that scene is super intense and it makes me so uncomfortable in the best way.
1: It's like ten minutes after the dance scene where it's like, "Hey guys, remember when we reset the pressure valve?"
3: Boom, yeah, it's full again. and it exploded.
0: <laughs> um, and then the other piece of it, the other part, uh, no words spoken. Uh, the sound effects and music are getting so loud that you actually don't hear the sound effects in the room. The end of the movie, when Caleb is banging on the glass, and you can't hear anything because you have whatever whatever that weird soundtrack is that they're playing. That is basically the sound of a ringing in your ear. And then like that subtle look that Ava gives to the side as the elevator door closes, I'm like,
1: oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's so intense. <laughs> yeah, the, the amount of like claustrophobia in that scene, and it's like, you're not even in the no, room. That it's is crazy. Having the claustrophobia, you're looking into the room, and it's like, I don't want to be in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Feels like you're in there, though. Man, man. Uh, the next portion that we have here is I want to hear about your least favorite moments, which I know is going to be. There's probably not going to be many of them. But before we do that, I came across something that I've never clicked on on IMDb before, and that is the uh, plot keywords section. Have you ever looked into this? It's amazing. There's 274 registered plot keywords of this movie, and I'm going to start reading through them very quickly now. Stop me. If if any of them has an effect on you. (laughs) Somebody
2: stop. (laughs) Because some of them...
0: He
1: started doing it to me right before we finally got you onto the call. And I was like, I have no idea what's going on. This is
0: ridiculous it's (laughs) ridiculous some of them are so absurd it might take i might get like five ahead and then you react to it which is fine just interrupt me so when when
2: do we stop you to whatever
0: you want whatever one of them sounds insane to you or you want to talk about it or you find it funny or interesting i got a i got an itchy trigger finger you ready (laughs) (laughs) you ready for this i'm gonna go through it as fast as i can artificial intelligence minimal cast video surveillance human android relationship female android deception employer employee relationship dancing android mountain Locked in, stop. watching, stop. stop. Dancing
1: Android,
2: <laughs> dancing Android, two separate
1: ones. Oh, I thought that was one. That's and fine. I was like, that's Please fine. Stop.
2: But, but, employ, <laughs> yeah, employee-employer relationship. That's enough. That's stretching it enough. And then mountain after that. <laughs> All right, <laughs> okay, We're gonna keep going. But yeah,
1: mountain as plot keyword. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah.
0: Locked in, watching someone, CCTV surveillance camera, scientist, drunkenness, female rear nudity, claustrophobia.
1: <laughs> Wait, sorry. Can we comment on female <laughs> rear nudity, comma, claustrophobia? <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, got to be a reason. Once after this the is audience. this is That's good. All, like all, all this needs to, to be. Is,
0: it's basically when it's a palate cleanser. When you tell me to pause, then we could laugh, we could take a breath, and then I'm gonna keep rattling them off.
2: It's a palate cleanser. You ready? Is it?
0: You ready? Turing test, robot human relationship, robot existentialism, written by director. Being watched, murder, alcohol, isolated place, stabbed to death, suspense, (laughs) undressing, beer, computer, computer programmer, upside-down camera shot, female frontal nudity, surprise ending. (laughs) Hang on.
1: I feel like, wait, no, no. I feel like, again, the grouping of female frontal nudity and surprise ending, there's got to be something going on there.
0: Yeah, okay.
2: Like
1: let's just we're just going full American pie, I
2: guess. <laughs> no, 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 no. If, it, if it had said if it had said female female back nudity, then surprise ending, then
0: I would have like, okay, oh, okay, that's
2: All funny. Right. All right. Topless female nudity,
0: eccentric, female robot, artificial skin, experiment, remote location, containment, hidden Wait, truth no,
1: sorry. Artificial skin?
0: <laughs> yes. You remember the scene with the with the no, weird Why is that a Ow. keyword?
2: Uh, I, don't, well, some, I don't know. Some would, some would call it a husk.
0: Uh, uh
1: yes! <laughs> yes!
0: <laughs> uh, Hidden truth, single set production, strong female character. Baroque music? Pokies.
2: Unflattering Wait, photograph. Second, okay, no, done, no, done.
1: You <laughs> gave me pokies before we started the show. But Baroque music in this movie?
2: <laughs> Ready? Well, there is. I think there is. Ready? Actually.
1: Stabbed in the back. Red light.
0: Power outage. Artificial arm, self-awareness, ambiguous ending, bunker, bare breasts, artificial created woman, consciousness. Now, was that
1: bare breast B-A-R-E or B-A-R? Bare, <laughs> bare breast. Uh, both. It's both. Psychological manipulation.
3: They put, they
2: put they put bare breasts first and then put asterisks bare breasts. It's that family the
1: right guy way. joke about everyone has the right to bare arms.
0: Hang on.
2: Everyone I'm going to
1: hang a pair of bare arms above their mantle.
2: I'm going to try and sneak nice. this one in
0: there and see if you catch it. Psychological manipulation, count and mess, psycho thriller, classical music, scenic beauty, fembot, self injury, arm ripped off, fantasy sequence, passed out drunk, stamped in the chest, shower.
1: Vanessa was a fembot? <laughs>
0: I think we're gonna have to do this for every Are movie going, going for forward. These? Ready? Here we go. At this point, he's got about 144? 150. Them, Are so. you doing all of them? Lie, flirting, stockings, memory, friendship, research facility, reference to J. Robert Oppenheimer, mirror, knife, seclusion, <laughs> <laughs> female lead, landscape 2010s, webcam, to feel very Kubricky. About. Orphan, helicopter pilot, ice, montage, reference to Jackson Pollock, wig, dress, distrust, bed, algorithm, manipulation, stabbed in the back. Isolation. Again? Uh, yeah. It's, it, it. Yeah. uh, Sex with Robot, Helicopter, Directorial Debut, 26-Year-Old, Tragic Past, Aerial Shot.
2: 26-Year-Old? <laughs> All right. I'm starting, I'm starting to feel like Alex from A Clockwork Orange now. <laughs> All right. I'm going to stop here because this
0: list is long. I'm going to take a quick scan. Uh, Wait,
1: how, is, how is there a plot keywords about references to Jackson Pollock and references to Jay Oppenheimer?
0: Dude, I don't know. I have no idea. Reference to Ludwig, Ludwig Wittgenstein.
1: I don't remember that reference.
0: Reference to Dan Aykroyd. Was it? Who are you going to call? I forgot. <laughs> Another great scene. Uh, death. And this is actually the perfect transition. Razorblade. Which brings us to my least favorite scene in the movie.
1: You know what? Fair enough. Except it's, I guess, pretty clear callback to stuff like The Shining and Poltergeist.
0: Sure, there's my only actual issue with this whole thing is the pl- is where he decides to cut himself. And how? And like, yeah, and it just seems like an odd choice. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get out of here alive. Are you just going all in? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Why is he not bleeding to death in the next scene? Well, yeah, because,
1: and I'm not an expert on these things. I'm uh, no biologist. The <laughs> way that you kill yourself. When you do that like that?
2: Yeah. So well, I think I think he went I think he went up. If you're trying to kill yourself, you're supposed to go across. So like I said, I'm no.
1: not an expert on these things. No, it's
2: it, it's what he did.
1: Yeah, I thought it was actually that way, was
2: the way that you kill yourself. Either way, this well it's too if much. If you have anything else on this. No,
0: it's just that this is my least I, favorite scene in the movie. Some,
2: I, I I really hate this scene. <laughs> um,
1: Although it does call back to all those things you're talking about, about like that face scan thing is clearly mm-hmm. happening because he's being spied on through the fucking mirror. Yeah. Um, and you know, he calls back to you, go, Caleb, you going a little crazy on me because uh what was going on in the bathroom? And it's like, yikes. Um, yeah. And, and also shows you like again just how many layers are going on because he's going through the whole, am I a robot thing? Which they never really introduced any doubt to him that he wasn't real.
2: This is why this is I I'm going to give more than just this when I do my, my, my least favorite scene, but I did not understand the scene. The scene hit me like a ton of bricks. It felt very disconnected from the amount of like at least mental distress they had built in Caleb himself. I mean, as the viewer, now when you're talking about the,
1: mental distress built in Caleb, are you're talking about screen Caleb or you Caleb.
2: Well, th- this works perfectly for my this works perfectly for my review because if anyone is supposed to feel like Caleb, which the viewer is supposed to be in Caleb's shoes for the most of the movie, I my name is Caleb. <laughs> always so in your shoes. Me, I'm Caleb. always in Caleb's depth. shoes. <laughs> it, it puts me a level deeper than everyone else. Um it it just hit me like what what is that where we're at mentally it didn't, mm. i've gotten a lot of different forms of distress from what he's experienced but none of them were the type where he would self harm himself and was wondering am i a robot at this point well i view I those as two i view those this as two very separate disjointed to me
1: i view those as two separate things i actually don't think this was intended to depict self harm in that perspective i don't believe he's trying to hurt himself. I believe he's questioning the nature of his existence. He's hurting himself. No, I know, but (laughs) that's, that's when you see that depiction of that sort of thing on screen, 99 out of 100 times, it is an intent to hurt oneself. I don't believe that is his intent in this scene. It's probably the only time that that's ever been true of someone doing that. I believe that he is so fucked in the head at that moment that hurting himself is the only way he can prove he is actually alive. Like, Oh, I totally,
2: Hmm. I totally get the character motivation. However, I, as the viewer did not believe the character motivation. That's the problem that I have. I get why you're going to do it. If you're going to film that, it's not only shocking anytime someone if they actually do the shot where they show you the blade going into the skin and, and, the, and that little slit showing up and then the blood starting to pour. out, That's going to get me my stomachs. I'm not going to like it and it's going to be powerful. However, if you use that scene when I don't feel that the character's development is at that point. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. I'm going to look at it like that's a fake arm. You're putting something into it and, 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 and cornstarch is coming out because I didn't feel he was at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't followed that journey with him. Well, here's the
1: thing then that I want to ask you, because I said earlier there was something that I wanted to get to about what I think this movie is about. What? Give me each of yours as concisely as possible, but without leaving out any important mm-hmm. details. Kel, what is this movie about?
2: To me? Yes. To me, this movie is about something a lot simpler than most would probably think. I think this movie is about the cautionary tale of man playing God.
1: Okay, good. Anthony, what is this movie about?
0: <sighs> <coughs> I had time to think about it, too, because you didn't go to me first. Yes. Um,
1: I, uh, man's, uh, man's
0: hubris when it comes to machine
1: Okay, so kind of similar yeah. thought to him. It's the whole God complex thing.
2: It has more than that tied in. Sure, it's not. It's not sure. So you guys, but there are definitely sub sub messages coming through the whole time. Absolutely. That, if I was going to sum it up, which I'm going to get into
1: be- in a second, but that's a good starting point is that idea of creation, God complex, deification, all that sort of stuff. So starting with that is the highest level because I don't think there is a higher level than that, right? Like. The like the idea of trying to achieve like that sort of godhood.
2: Everything fits into that bag.
1: Yes. Next level down. Concerning Ava, what is the movie about? Nathan, Ava, Caleb. What is the movie about?
2: Manipulation.
0: Okay. Uh, simulation theory from or a thousand power. foot view.
2: Okay. Good. Caleb Moore, you had or manipulation or power struggle.
1: Good. So then what our stated goal in the movie from Nathan is we're doing a Turing test of Ava. To what end? Either of you can answer, or both.
2: I don't think you're supposed to know that initially. I think if you if you've watched enough films, you can start to you can get a pretty good idea early on in the movie. Hmm, she might be testing him. He might not be testing her.
1: Okay. Anthony.
2: uh, Phrase your question again?
1: Concerning Ava. Yeah. The stated goal in the movie by Nathan is we're doing a Turing test to prove what about Ava and
0: that you can't tell the difference between her and a machine.
1: To prove that her life, her consciousness is at least equivalent to if not greater than that of a human. Right. After a few watches of this movie, now I no longer believe that that this that's what this movie is about. Okay. What I think ultimately this movie reveals and what Nathan's actually testing is not because as i said he already knows that he's proven that a true ai can exist mm-hmm. he already knows that she and even the lesser iterations before her have proven a level of consciousness he is no longer doing a turing test he never was from the start of this movie he's not trying to prove that ava is equal to or greater than humanity he is trying to prove or quantify, Caleb's humanity. Hmm. And Ava is the test he's giving to him. Because the righteousness of the cause that Caleb undertakes to free her from her bondage at the hands of Nathan, he identifies early on through the Turing test, oh, this is a real AI, but to him, he's been given the information that this is the first iteration of that consciousness. So Nathan's going to test Caleb's desire to connect and help Ava as a reflection of Ava's humanity, of her actual humanness. Mm-hmm. But instead, this reveals the nature of Caleb's humanity. Yeah. Because we already quickly learn that she is equal to that. They're testing Caleb's ability to empathize with something that is easily identifiable as life, as right, it's just the
0: reverse life. aspect of the. T- yeah, that's it's a, a it's a great take.
1: The righteousness of his cause of protecting another life form that he views as equal, not a dog or a cat, uh, something that's worthy of preservation and protection, a life form, but not equal to us.
2: Mm, nothing, this that's why I,
1: proves that he oh, that yeah. she is equal or greater. It proves. His humanity, because he views this other life form as equal to him, and that supersedes the Turing test. It supersedes his and Nathan's relationship because early on, we established that Caleb and Nathan can be friends, Mm -hmm. and they view each other as peers, as colleagues, that there is a bond, a human bond with each other. Mm. His willingness to backstab Nathan, to betray Nathan, to protect a life he views as equal to his own, when he knows it's an AI, he knows it's a robot. That is the test.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And so, Caleb, when you said, I don't understand his motivation to cut himself, it is symbolic of his own internal struggle at that point because it's before he commits to breaking her out, before he betrays Nathan. He doesn't understand inside of his own mind why he is moved to betray a human on behalf of something that is very obviously not human, but equal to a human.
0: And it's also very funny that uh, Nathan is actually more robotic and predictable than Ava is.
1: Yes, because he, in plain sight, pulls the wool over Nathan's eyes.
0: Yeah. Ah, that was a good movie.
1: And that's why I love this Because it took me three or four viewings To get to that point of Mm
0: -hmm.
3: The
1: test is never about Ava It's about Mm Caleb
0: I like that I like that Uh,
1: you, You know what it reminded me of Is what we talked about a few weeks ago Which I can't believe that you remembered me saying that Like a year or so ago on this show This movie The way that it baits and switches you Reminds me of what we're going through With Better Call Saul when we talked about how Better Call Saul is not about The Descent, is not about the breaking bad of Jimmy McGill. It's about the breaking bad of Kim.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And this is the same thing. It's never been about testing Ava. It's <sighs> about testing Caleb's humanity.
0: I do love looking at it through that lens. That's awesome. Man, movie got layers. I, uh, I was going through it. I was thinking about like rewatchability and I was like, it's weird for a movie that's this intense to be to have that level, but I I'm I will happily put it on again tonight. Like you know, like I it was it's it's got so much going for it.
1: Well for sure it's easier when it's that quick of a watch, right? That's true. And it it feels- is not a long movie despite the fact that it never ever drags it feels heavier it feels like when you're done that you watched a longer movie than it did and not in a negative way
0: uh, Well, actually am thinking about that only because like you could, you, it feels like a long time for the characters not for you watching it but to caleb to your point of like is he I, I didn't think that he was at that point yet of i'm going to cut myself to find out a fine machine it's actually funny that you say that because i have a note in here that like just before that scene where i was like man this has been the crazy week from hell. <laughs> like, it's been, like, I don't care. Like you are stuck in here with one person, two other people. <laughs> and like for a whole week and you're like underground half the time. Like it, it is, it's designed to make you question everything,
2: yes. which
0: is really, really awesome. And then at the end of the movie, he's just, despite all his rage against that door, he's still just a rat in a cage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know i knew you were going for it yeah. and i still i still had to give in uh so caleb uh, before we get to the f- like that ending of the movie does my theory my opinion on that help you bridge the the logic gap that you're having
2: it doesn't only because i i totally i 100 opi- it's all opinion it's all opinion obviously mm-hmm. on on how we feel during the movie i still i understand the motivation but there's a difference between feeling conflicted in seeing something wrong happen and seeing that you have to step up and make a difference and help someone escape or help someone gain freedom. There's a difference between that and hurting yourself. I, I just didn't. I, I, me, I get
0: where you're coming from because he turns it to me, up to 11 for like out of nowhere. So, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. So like I a hundred percent agree with you on, on his mental state being invested in helping Ava. I totally get that. There's I have zero <laughs> argument against that. My only thing is just because you want to help someone else doesn't mean you're going to harm yourself. And and for me, I didn't under I didn't see the mental struggle with him thinking, "Oh dear god, this illusion is so great that I might be a robot myself." Mm-hmm. I, that that is just not something I ever got. See,
1: like, I, I viewed I the self-harm as honestly secondary to everything else where that jump to I'm um, he's making the decision in that moment to betray and possibly res- not if not directly kill Nathan, then possibly result in his death on behalf of something that was created, not born so that he's making that decision in that moment. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that for just a regular guy who's like, how the fuck did I get here? That level of stress, I'm not saying it's what I would do, but I can understand where radical self-evaluation comes into play there. And it's not the choice I would have made, but I can understand why it's the choice he makes. I can understand why. And for you, it seems like you're still stuck on the primary motivation as being self-harm, whereas I view the harm as being secondary to The symbolism behind the act in him trying to reveal his own true nature and trying to come to grips with his own decision making. And does that make him a monster? Does that make him a machine?
0: I kind of went through this like back and forth because that scene bothered me. And I actually uh, I would have been okay with the scene with everything except the arm slicing. Cause I got out of it, what he was doing. Like he was checking to see if he was real. Um, if then I went a little bit deeper into it of like, while he's doing that, he's getting so inside of his head to the point of like, he starts cutting himself open because he like in that moment, I feel like he believes that he's going to find out that he's a robot and he's not worried. And I think that there is a significance to where he cuts himself, that he doesn't actually think that it's going to have a negative effect on his life. And and I think that it, it's trying to make, I feel like it's trying to make you make that mental leap, but it, it does feel, it feels a little rush only because there hasn't been that question before. Maybe if we, maybe one or two other times, Get him questioning it by, you know, the like way he was looking at his teeth or like pulling on his face or pulling on his hair. And then after one more scene, we get to that level. It might have it it, it, it might have been a little bit more. But the, you don't really I guess you didn't need to make the movie drag that long. It wasn't overly offensive to me, but I kind of get where Caleb, I kind of get where you're coming from. And I honestly could have done I could have done with just everything up to this. Like, I don't think he needed to cut himself. I got what was happening in the scene.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah. Sorry. When I'm pushing back against you, Kev, I don't want to act like I don't understand where you're coming, because I do. I to, oh, no. to some extent, I actually do agree with you that it seems like a dramatic step in that point. But when that happened and I couldn't, on the surface, rationalize, I had to go back and look at what's going on here and try to apply rationality to it, because it is irrational. You're right. You're You're right. But what I've come to is I think there are actually several layers to it. And the self-harm aspect of it is the least important and lowest of the layers. And like, I think that, that Anthony, you you know, you're making a good point where it's like, I don't like, there's almost a catharsis in, I think I'm okay with if I'm a robot, because it makes my path clearer here. I think that's actually maybe even the, the biggest, most important thing is if he cuts himself and he finds out he is a robot. Then his decision to betray Nathan on behalf of Ava is a very easy decision. Mm-hmm. Even though you're right, there is no real, there's no like quote unquote like hints or clues as to oh my god he was a robot the whole time because honestly that would have been super cheesy, right? But the fact that he, it actually almost is like a fourth wall breaking look at the trope where like that's where you're expecting the movie to go like oh god he was a robot the whole time where it's actually happening on screen where. Kel's going like, am I a fucking robot? Yeah. I've seen too many movies. I can't be a robot.
0: Well, you know what's funny? It's like, it almost seems like they could have. It would have been fun if they kept hinting at it and never got you to any sort of clear answer. Specifically because this viewing, I noticed his back scars when he puts his shirt on that I hadn't noticed the last few times I watched the movie. And. I, the assumption is that it was because of the car accident where his parents died that yeah. he was also mangled and and, and uh, right because he was in the hospital for how a year and he became a coder and all that stuff. But there's no there's no other call to his back scars, and it almost seems like if he was ha- to have been turned into a cyborg, like of some, you know what I mean? Like that could have been that's an interesting thing to leave dangling and not answer because if you were to put that there. It doesn't take away from the rest of the story, especially with your take on it, Al. (laughs) But, like, if you were to just dangle that there, and, like, it's just for you if you're paying real close attention. But, like, I don't know, going that deep, then it just became, like, a couple of pieces that just seemed a little bit off. Like, again, like, like specifically cutting directly down his vein, and the fact that those back scars are there, but never really talked about or mentioned. Or referenced. Uh, just, a, just a strange thing. Where, where in a movie where every little thing that's on screen seems to have a very clear purpose um, I didn't get much out of those scars except for maybe they like had some deleted scene that maybe references them.
1: Well I think it also just goes to as we've referenced several times of the attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also actually I think a lack of any sort of scar might have been an indication to Kel's point of. Is this subtle storytelling of maybe he's not real because if it was such a traumatic, terrible car accident with there to be no physical evidence of that on his body, mm. d- does that mean he was engineered with a fake backstory? Sure.
0: Which could have made for an interesting question, which I just think it's, it's funny because they I would not have questioned that or thought about it at all if they didn't show you the scene with him putting the shirt on or taking it off. Sure. I'm not sure what's happening in that scene. but I, I, think,
1: I, think I, I actually think that's <laughs> part of the point though because if if that's what we choose to investigate there it's a very different movie let's take a quick break lie detector
0: shaving black and white scene waterfall insecurity laboratory wine <laughs> anger reference to ludwood wittgenstein inner oh the car inner uh, title card punching bag river death key card razor blade underground bunking painting drown uh drawing Independent film, forest, weightlifting, blood splatter. Ready for this? Bare-chested male. F word. Two-word title. Blood. That's the rest of them. <laughs> That's the end of the list. I just scroll to the two-word bottom. Two-word <laughs> title, really? I think my favorite one oh, of those is bare-chested. Be I liked bare-chested male. That one was pretty funny.
1: I liked internal title card.
0: What if it just said, what? you know what? None of these say back scars. That should be one of these. <laughs> it's basically the script is in here.
1: Hey, if we have bare tits, why not?
0: <laughs> oh, cut arm. I missed that one. Jaw ripped off. Let's speak of that for a minute. That final scene. Uh or final
1: Wait, hang on, say it yeah. properly. That last scene though.
0: That last scene though. we're
1: <laughs> <No, fine>, uh, <laughs> Harkening that... back to one of our very first episodes of Rogue One.
0: <laughs> the the uh yeah. That that whole scene though in the in the corridor, which was it which is like a great like let's 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 tighten the scope of this even more. Even though we're in a single building for the entire movie, let's just bring it in a little bit closer into One this whole hallway. Uh,
1: when that knife goes in, oh, is that uncomfortable for me? <laughs> My second least favorite knife stabbing scene in any movie. What's the first? Saving Private Ryan.
0: Oh, God, how could I forget? Oh, right. We, we you blocked that about out it. with trauma. We were just talking <laughs> about it
1: cripply enough at the dinner table earlier tonight, and yeah. I refuse to watch that scene ever again.
2: Yeah, it's not a nice family dinner conversation. It's not good.
1: It was a weird conversation, but Uh, uh, it was about movies, so it's relevant to the show. Uh, Not that that's ever stopped us before, relevance to the show. Um, Yeah, no, because there isn't... You're used to, when they're stabbing, there's a visceral reaction. There's often a punchy audio cue. In this case, it's the rasp of the knife sliding in. It doesn't... Yeah, well, that's what is so striking about it is it's the effortless, raspy glide, like the similar to an, a sword being sheathed. Right. As opposed to the crunch or whatever sound you want to associate with a forceful stab. Right. Uh, it reminded me the way that I put a knife into the butcher block in my house.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Except inside mm-hmm. of
1: his torso.
0: Right, which I, what I actually, what I ended up thinking, taking away from that scene is this is the idea of like, such a robot is able knows exactly, like was able to analyze and exactly place this with, so there would be no effort, like related to sliding in.
1: Honestly, it made me reconsider just generally knives, <laughs> <laughs> like in my day to day life. Like, I'm just gonna start is, gnawing at things instead. <laughs> everyone has like fumbled a knife, and maybe you've cut yourself, and maybe you haven't. Hmm. But it made me consider that if I accidentally touch the knife to my torso, it might just be It's just going to go all the way the in. Handle. <laughs> yeah. It's just going to slide right in. And what's going to happen is that. you're then going to walk down
0: the hallway bleeding and go, "Okay. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs>
0: Unfucking real." <laughs> That's right. That's the line. <laughs> <It's> so good. <laughs> that actually there is uh, to balance that scene with some humor is again brilliant. <laughs>
1: I mean, literally gallows humor in this case, and I hope to God, in a script so meticulously written, that that was Ed. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: because it feels...
2: Oscar <laughs> Isaac fan, right, yeah. right? Right, like
1: It feels so perfect for that to be something like, okay, Oscar, you were just stabbed, and you totally didn't expect it. Uh-huh. What would you say? I'm fucking real.
0: Yeah. Now, what would Nathan say? And that's exactly what he would say. Well, fine. But either yeah. way,
1: the point is, I actually really hope that's not in the script for whatever reason.
0: Yeah. All right. This. This. No. Oh, oh no. no. You. You first, because I have a. I have a wrap up thought. Do you think, okay. Do you think? uh this brings me to my final note, which is my only real issue with the movie, um, which is uh, it's it's a very solid reason for it to be a nine instead of a ten. Maybe even worth kicking it down to an eight. Uh, I'm not going to though because I love the movie so much but uh, Caleb puts the card in the computer at the end of the movie those red lights that occur and the screen going off has been the design language of a power failure inside of the compound for the entire movie the doors should be unlocked based
2: on what he's done
1: except that you forgot that he went in and hacked all the controls
2: Did Nathan do that because he knew what Caleb did?
1: No, what I'm saying is Caleb went in and played with all the settings.
0: No, I know he played with those settings in order to make the doors unlock when the power failure happened.
2: Yes, so the whole catch is that there's like a back and forth. There's a, oh shit, Caleb's got the one up. Then there's the, oh shit, Nathan's got the one up. Then there's the, oh shit. Caleb's got the one up, right? Because he actually did it the night before, and he that's where the movie ends. Realized well, that yeah, and that's where the movie. That's
1: certainly a possibility, but actually, I always read it as like a poison pill, like dead man switch sort of thing. Where if everything broke wrong for Nathan, he has a final fuck you to keep everything locked in there.
2: But does he though? Like a person on him? Does he have like a button or no? No, no.
1: I mean a there? programmed like like i said poison pill type of thing sure if someone gets in and starts fucking around with it stealing my stuff let's say someone broke into my compound and killed me i'm nathan no fuck you you're locked in this room with my dead body for the rest of your
2: life The the only thing that negates that is nathan's reaction when he realizes that ava is walking down the hallway that she shouldn't be
1: but it's different because she was already inside the compound
2: so, okay, yeah, he, here's uh, but there's there's so many doorways in the compound. She's literally walking. She has walked out of her chamber. What I'm saying like, is, oh fuck.
1: the the terminal that Caleb is at is Nathan's home base. That is the center of the whole operation. For someone to get in and access it against his will, I expect that that whole thing is a poison pill to protect so that no one can steal. So
0: people. this is great. The, the, I'm glad you said this. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, this was a leading question. I actually have the answer to it. Uh, <laughs> so the what bothers me about it is that it's not explained. Uh, Al, you're actually 100% correct as far as the script goes. In the script writing, there is a portion. I looked into this. It's supposed to say something along the lines of access denied on the screen, not mm-hmm. actually shut everything off, which is intended to be a switch that locks everything down. Yes, that's not explained though. Everything so far in the movie has been explained to the point of what we see here because we do that's so right. much with the with the visual and the audio and colors and all that. What we've learned up until this point that when this happens, it's a power failure. And what that power failure means right now in this moment is that all the doors are unlocked. They it, that is it's an I I personally feel that this is a mistake in the movie. If it had if it said rejected on the screen, I would have been fine with it.
1: I think it's funny that you being more expert in the field have a bigger problem with the thing that isn't explained that actually was within the logic of the technology than me who has a cursory knowledge of the thing that...
3: I no, wouldn't be the one
1: advocating on behalf of the people with less knowledge that you would be. I think that's it, a sure.
0: funny. Dramatic. It is. It's funny. It's you know what it is. It is like you. They. He goes through all of this length to make everything so perfect, and he focuses on every little tiny detail. And the fact that that was in the screenplay and not on the screen. Is just feels like a flub to me. Like they ju- like just a mistake. Maybe even in editing. Maybe they cut the scene just shy of panning over to showing that. Yeah, you know, I just
1: think it's funny that considering our relative no- knowledges of the technology, that the person with only the baseline knowledge is the one who's defending. Because yeah. in my mind, <laughs> I always knew that that was the thing, and so it never was an issue yeah. to me. Whereas for you, who has even more knowledge and also obviously knows that it's the thing. It's the mm-hmm. one advocating on behalf of people who have less knowledge than even I would.
0: On which, is, which is
1: also really funny
0: because it's actually what my argument is actually the same way that you would argue along the lines of like the extra knowledge that you need to have to fully enjoy episode nine. <laughs> for example. Like, it's just yeah. a little bit of a different example because the movie is the only the only reason it's an issue is everything else in the movie is so perfect that a slight mistake like that is a little bit glaring.
2: This is, this is my 6.5 territory we've reached. This is why. why. No, really it is. I, so the whole thing for me is I would never like final thoughts on the whole thing. I I would never, uh, tell anyone to not watch this movie. I would say, watch this movie. Absolutely. Um, I hope you haven't had it spoiled for you. My main thing is I really wish I had seen this movie at a different time. I wish I had seen this movie in the theaters when it premiered, um, having seen some material that delves into the same concepts, the same ideas. I think it took away from this, the experience of this movie it, for me in what way. So, so not the, not the initial beginning of the movie. I, I do love the build of this movie. I do love the slow tension of the movie. I absolutely love the performances of this mm-hmm. movie. Um, Domino Gleason, incredible, mm-hmm. uh, just, just quirky enough without being like, you know, campy, like self-indulgent and campy. Um, Oscar Isaac, I'm a huge fan to begin with. The dude does a great job. He's shorter than Domino Gleason. However, they give him that like impending physical threat, like ability throughout the entire thing. well, it's and, it's another uh,
1: visual language thing, right? because it's he is supposed to be domineering over him the whole way, yeah. despite the fact that they ultimately prove to be equals in their own way.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly, because they're both human versus the machine. They both get outdone. Um, Ava played by Alicia Vikander. I think she does. She performs a a haunting, (laughs) haunting performance as, as, as a robot trying to gain her freedom. But at the end of the day, the whole thing is once I get to the last 35 minutes of this movie, it doesn't hit where it has to hit. And that's my thing. I'm, I understand the building of tension, but if that tension doesn't pay off, I can't endorse the movie at a nine or an eight. And I really struggled with giving this a seven. I was even going to do a seven. But whether it's because I saw this movie too late, which could be part of it, um, timing can be everything. Mm. I've seen material like Westworld that delves into what makes us human. You know, where do you draw the line between human relations with AI?
1: I'm curious Uh, if that's a holdup for you because, I mean, I saw the first season of Westworld, but these two movies are not the only exposure to that. I've had exposure to that that concept, that theme so many times in different form of media between this movie, that show, the Mass Effect series, the Matrix. um, There's even a handful of other things too that have delved into that. I don't feel like there's any sort of narrative fatigue in my mind to that sort of thing for my own self. I'm I'm, I'm interested by that being a hang up for you.
2: For me... Alex Garland does a really, really good job as an author and a director of bringing these high level mm-hmm. concepts to reality, the way that he does it, whether it be the setting, whether it be just the character's personalities, whether it be the technology that's touched on in that particular movie. And when he brings it to that realistic level. It kind of leaves those other these those other uh, materials that I've seen. So like the Matrix and other things like that. Those movies to me, I love them, but they they don't hit on a realistic level. I'm not watching the movie thinking this is my reality. This is the world that I'm living in. That's an experience where you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna be all into that world. But part of his strength is. He does bring these materials into my reality. I actually truly believe at times this could be the world I'm living in, Mm -hmm. whether it be devs, whether it be, and whether that's a harsh reality, because sometimes I don't want to believe that. Sure. Sometimes I don't want to believe that, which is what makes his writing and his directing very strong. The problem with this movie is the entire movie from the start to the 35 minute mark ish. I'm thinking, holy shit, this could be happening somewhere where some dude owns 350 miles worth of an expanse and is doing these insane uh, experiments on AI. But when I get to the 35 minute mark, it loses me. I don't believe that anymore. I've been taken out of my reality and now I'm expected to live in this movie's world and that doesn't work for me. That's the problem I so have. So
1: what's breaking your immersion
2: um, specifically? I, I wouldn't make a sex toy that has skin like tissue paper. Mm. <laughs> Well, no, that's just, that's my wise ass. <laughs> so, so for me, for me, um, well, you keep referencing time, 35 minutes. Creepy so, paper. <laughs> 35, minutes, 35 minutes is about the time that uh, Kyoko does her whole, I'm going to rip my face off and show you I'm, I'm a machine. I'm going to rip my skin off and show you I'm a machine. At that point in the movie, I understand that obviously Nathan has some psychopathic tendencies. He's kind of an idiot savant of his own. He's on another level. He's functioning on another level. However, my issue is <laughs> this, this is AI we're talking about. These are not real women. He's not murdering re- real women. He has created robots. Okay, the way he treats them, whatever. I don't know. But the whole thing is he's isolated. This dude is not, has not had contact with real women. He's not harming real human beings. Yet, all of a sudden, and this is why I kind of go into the whole, like, why is he cutting himself? Why is he hurting himself? when it comes to Caleb's portion of things <laughs> this is going to sound kind of like just being a wise ass but a- at the end of the day w- what did nathan really do like he he stole everyone's data that's a problem for sure but other than that he gets his party on and he bangs robots <laughs> meanwhile meanwhile <laughs> caleb is caleb is freaking out to the point where he's he feels like he needs to save this ai this dude's brain functions on a level mine will never function on and i don't understand like towards this amount of time they start doing these creepy things where they're showing us people peel their skin off and all the stuff like since when did kyoko ever have emotions since when did she show that she is like sentient enough to be like you know what help me out of here i understand the other hang on hang on
1: a second because you're actually arguing two separate points, not that they're opposing points; they are just two yeah, separate yeah. But points.
2: There, but it's a lot of it's a lot of information getting flooded to the viewer at yes. like that thirty five minute mark in the movie, and I feel like it all of a sudden just decides, okay, it's time to end. The, it's time to wrap the film up. Nathan's going to get murdered by his own creations, and we're just going to end the show. But
1: the problem is, those two things are what the movie is about. So if you don't get them, you don't get. The movie exactly, so I think there's two separate things at work. The one is what the the big thing I argued on behalf of what the movie's about, right? Like that it's not testing Eve, but it's testing Caleb. It's one of those. Which I, is what I said. I earlier. forget. I forget what the hell those pictures are called, Anthony. You'll remember mole rats when the guys. Magic eye, the, the magic I eye. Mean, it's kind of a magic eye slash Rorschach type of thing. It's how what, whatever. Yeah, whatever you feel about the validity and the morality of Caleb's decision to defend Ava against Nathan, it's what you are bringing to it, not what the movie is telling you. If you feel that Ava is not equal to a human and what her life is worth, then you won't understand why Caleb makes the decisions he makes. If you understand Caleb's motivation, that he views this life as equal to his own or any other human's, then you'll understand the decisions he makes. So that is the one hang-up that you're having. The second one is the one with Kyoko. And what I would say to you is it feels like a plot hole on the surface, her joining up with Ava in that moment. Her peeling off the skin and revealing to to Ava and Nathan or to Ava and Caleb. That she isn't human. What I would say to you is... Consider the big picture of what Nathan is about... In the week that we've seen him in this. Savant, like you said. I don't think any Savant. Actual Savant. Um, Genius. Psychopath. Borderline psychopath. However you want to say it. But inherently flawed. Consumed by his own vices. The drunkenness. The casual... Sex with the robots that he created. Whatever not judging any of it, but consider the inconsistencies in his life. You might view it as a pressure release valve, but what they are is displaying his sloppiness where so much of what he is doing is so polished and perfect. His outlet for his sloppiness is actually, you know, he's the author of his own doom as we all are, right? We are all the author of our own destruction and doom. His carelessness didn't allow him to see that he created a greater consciousness in Kyoko than he could handle because he always thought she'd be subservient to him, always thought that he could trust in her to be like a computer or a fucking smart vacuum Roomba type yeah, of he's thing. Always,
2: he's always looking at everyone like there's less than him. And that.
1: she isn't that level of animal intelligence. She has actualized as a true AI. On orders of magnitude lower than Ava, but still conscious. And so when she stabs him in the back, it is a literal and metaphorical stabbing in the back of Nathan, because he overlooked that through his own sloppiness and she is his doom.
2: Mm -hmm. I think I, I get, I get what he intended as the viewer for me. It just didn't deliver. You know, there's there's times when you can look at it on paper and you can say this all makes perfect sense. But when you're watching the movie and it comes to that point where you've watched the movie for an hour and 20 minutes or however long it comes to plus 35 minutes, it didn't it didn't work. Let, for me. let me ask I, you that scene didn't work for me. The the whole I'm going to I guess him walking out into the hallway with just the handle of a weight works in your theory, because obviously he always he's always thinking she is lesser than me. Well, I I, is, I guess she is, I'm she is not as strong as me. I don't have to be as prepared for this creature. Maybe I'm
1: being presumptuous, think. But,
2: but I think that my opinion
1: in this is borderline on fact. I think that if you watch on balance all the decisions he's made, there is no other way to read it other than that he thought she was less that
2: well yeah i mean uh, can i
0: I... ask you a question caleb Uh, it sounds like what i what i got out of this is you're what you were a big fan of early on is from what i'm gathering is just like how ground you you had mentioned this before with his work how grounded in reality it starts is it that as it gets a little bit more into the intense sci-fi aspects of it it actually steps it does step away from that grounded reality because we're we're dealing with something that was that is years upon years if not like hundreds of years ahead of where we're at that it, sure. it takes you out of the experience is that what you're is that where you're coming from
2: I guess so. Mm. I mean, if you look at it that way, then technically, I could just completely be missing the whole thing.
0: No, no, no I I um, don't think I don't think you're I think you have a valid point. If you were, if it's just not like going in, it, I, I think I get where you're coming from. If going in, it felt grounded. And then it gets so crazy that it, it almost feels counter to where it started.
2: I, f- I guess it's a it might could be a pacing issue for mm. me. But I've f- it just didn't, I enjoy that slow burn, that slow, that tension. But there's just a lot of things towards the end of the movie where I, I'm I'm asking questions I don't want to ask. I guess I, I would wonder. Like, I enjoy asking questions that I want to know the answer to, but I'm asking questions I don't want to know the answer to. I don't want to know why the helicopter pilot drops in the middle of the field when he, he has specific, probably militant orders to pick up Caleb Smith at that location. And he's allowing a beautiful woman in a white dress to get on his helicopter. How is this working? Mm. What is the thing? Does he, Is he on it? Now, that's a question that, you know what? If that's part of it, that's awesome. See, that's one of if, those. If it's, not, if it's not part of it, it didn't work for mm-hmm. me. That, you know what I mean? I, now, the thing I do love, which I will give this a tick up, I'll push it to a seven. <laughs> to a seven. <laughs> He's going and up. Now, now, because of this, because at the end of the movie, there is a, there's a portion of the movie when you see Ava, session seven, that occurs after Nathan is dead, and there is no more testing. Mm-hmm. So technically, at the end of that, you start to you realize, which I kind of knew that this is where it was going. However, you actually realize on screen for the first time as the viewer, with proof, Ava's been testing them the whole time because those Ava session this, Ava session that, is her testing them, which is what I was saying earlier, which is awesome. And that kind of pulls into the whole thing.
1: It's like the, I mean, it's like the devs deus switch at the end,
2: mm-hmm. where... Yeah
1: where, oh, we're testing Ava, but no, she was testing you, where, oh, it's De- it's Devs, Devs, Devs. No, no, it's actually Deus. You know what I mean? Like that le- it, last minute it, switch as you're- Pretty much.
0: It, it's funny, because like I feel like I I, I don't necessarily agree with- I, I I feel more towards the movie the way Al does, but I, I think I get where you're coming from, Caleb, and I think what's interesting is uh, the movie is a, is is quick, right? What is it, an hour 40? Uh, they're in that time- you're like they try to build you up. They start at the ground level, keep everything realistic. Uh, they start feeding you little bits to suspend your disbelief as you go forward. With like you know, theoretically, I guess we could get here, and it gets intense and intense and intense and intense and intense. And then if you if you haven't suspended your disbelief up to that point, you could you'll start to you might start to like pull out some of the threads a little bit more. Sim- like something like the helicopter pilot thing, right? Like perfectly valid thing that you just said. Did it bother me? No, but I wasn't thinking about it. And I could see if like if other things are triggering that, I could see where you're coming from. And that is why I think it's interesting where devs maybe is the better format for one of his stories because it's 8 hours. It's you have more time to get into the zone. They give you more reason to feel like this is a little bit more grounded. I, it's I I think he just like we should we should give him all the time that he wants. We should watch his 19 hour movie that he wants to, you know, (laughs) but uh, I could I could see where you're coming
2: from. It's not a it's not a bash. This movie's not a bash on Garland at all because I realized this is his first film. Right.
1: This was the first one that he wrote and directed. Director. Yeah.
2: Wrote and directed. Yeah. So when you have that amount of creative control for the first time. I'm never gonna bash the material. And like I said, I'd never tell anyone not to watch this movie. Yeah, what? But what I, I like? I said what I find it didn't, it didn't strike for me at the what end. What I find curious, I really, really yeah.
1: <laughs> What I find curious about your disconnect is that some of the things that you're raising is issues were things I felt after my first viewing, but I've seen the movie three or four times now, and this is why I've been trying to find a way to like transfer the connective tissue that I have had upon. Repeat viewings. I'd wondered how you would I would wonder how you would feel in six months or eight months after you've seen the movie a couple of times. If armed with the knowledge or the opinions that I have, going into it and watching it again and looking for your own answers, if you might find yeah, you know, you'd hew closer to what we feel about it. Because something like the helicopter, the first time I watched it, I'm glad that you brought it up because the first time I watched it, I kind of felt the same way. But then like, by the time I watched it this weekend, I was like, because I was, was watching it with my, with my brother and my, my mom, my dad, and my, my parents hadn't seen it before. My brother had seen it once before. And I don't remember who raised it. Actually, I think it might have been my brother, even though they'd seen the movie once. He said something along the lines of, you know, why would he pick up this girl and not have any questions? And the world is so rich that I think the answer is there if you want to find it. Even if you can't say it's 100% fact. What I felt after watching this movie a couple times was, well, think about the type of company and the type of world that Nathan cultivated for himself. Do you think he would have brooked questions from his helicopter pilot? If he sells pick up a person at 1030 in the morning in the middle of this field, is he going to be the person who asks Nathan? "Uh, I don't think I'm picking up the right person.
2: No, but here's my issue with that, which I, that, that's a valid, that is a valid argument. Here's my issue on the other end. I'm always gonna have something on the other end because I feel like this is the type of thing in the movie where some people are going to start going to like it. Some people aren't. It doesn't mean you didn't get it. It just means how did this movie touch you as a viewer? My thing is with Nathan and all his, all his self absorbance and his self, I am the Messiah. Do you really think that Nathan would have let himself get killed by his own robot? Yes. Do you? Because I don't. He
1: isn't God. That is the point of all no, 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 of Garland's right. work. Yes. Is that but, all of these people think they're God, but they yes. aren't. They always have but, a fatal flaw they fall victim to.
2: Yes, you're right. You're right. But that's Garland speaking, not Nathan as a character.
1: But Garland wrote problem. the character.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, of course. But but all, but but all you don't write characters as yourself every time. No,
1: no. <laughs> like but Nathan is not like Garland. <laughs> the point is he's writing a human, not God.
2: My my problem is I don't think Nathan decided one day this bitch is gonna kill me and I'm gonna let her go on a helicopter. So I'm gonna tell Roy the helicopter guy, you know what? If she ever walks out, just take her. I don't think he did that. But let's look at how many read.
1: iterations of his robot there were.
2: Well, okay,
0: uh, hang on. We're we're, we're we've we've gone way off the path. Of what I did hear about this is. Caleb's gonna watch. Is gonna watch the movie a few more times, and in one year, I, we're I, gonna do yeah, no, I love Caleb, Caleb session yeah. two, and that's <laughs> that's gonna be the title of the episode, and that's all we're gonna it do. But sounds
2: like it could be a chapter. In the I'm movie. gonna
0: leave you with one last note about the helicopter, and that is in the final scene where it flies away, it is not flying in the same pattern as it did when it landed, which led me to believe that she
1: took it. <laughs> but oh, I don't think there's any question oh that's actually. cool I like <laughs> that and also I think it's a pretty good answer to anyone who has a problem with the pilot like oh she already killed Nathan what the fuck why wouldn't she kill him too she, yeah
2: no that's totally cool
1: Um, and also I as like kind of a final note on the because it's the final note of the movie I love that when he asks her where would you go and she says a busy human intersection that she goes to yeah. that and then yeah. disappears. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect. Who
2: says, she's, who says she's not just murdering all the humans at the intersection because she knows where that's a lot of humans. <laughs> <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs>
0: that's ex machina two ex human. Uh, <laughs> all right. That's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can submit those requests by tweeting us at The Spin Tune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo.
2: I'm Al BLC. I'm Caleb I'm Not going to do the last name on that one. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let me redo that. Let me redo that. You can, you can edit that. Wait, hang on a second. Let's just restart. Wait, oh, come on. No, no. Okay, Let's okay,
1: let's okay. just restart okay. the finale because before you do the whole or as you're doing the sign off, just mention the short cast one more time for Caleb.
0: Oh, hang on. Okay, so I'll oh. I'll, I'll I'll do that one second. Uh, that, no, no, no here, but that's a good idea. That's it for this week before we get out of here. Caleb, do you have anything you want to plug?
2: Uh, just my podcast real quick. It's Shortcast. You can find it anywhere fine podcasts are found. You can reach out to us at shortcast at gmail.com, at shortcastpod on Twitter. That's about it.
0: Great. Well, tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. And as always, if you have a movie for us to review or not get for us to discuss, you can send those requests to flicks and a six at spinshoon.com or tweet us at the spinshoon. I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Al Bielsi. I'm Caleb. Thanks for coming out.